Hello, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to tonight's show. This is just telling my guest I'm a little under the weather, ever so slightly. Um, probably didn't help that I've been doing so much this week, but you know, it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do, what you got to do, right? That's how it works. Um, tonight's guest has been uh, one in the making since over the summer. You know, that's what happens. You talk to people. I'm always, you know, in contact with, you know, potential guests. I'm like, hey, let's do it this. We try to figure it out. Eventually, everything lines up and you do the show. Uh, but tonight's guest is really interesting. He does really interesting work. Um, he's a music. He's a he's a renaissance man. He's a musician. He's a special effects makeup artist. Um, and he also is an avid uh, gamer. Like he does like tabletop games too. He's like, he's into all sorts of cool stuff. And um, he's out on the, uh, he's on the other side of the coast. So he's joining us all the way from California. And I forgot to tell him, I'm going to just intro this right now that in that, you know, we have a, a the we're going to be asking him the thesis question, which is um, if pizza is punk, why is it punk or why is it not punk? It's a subjective is a subjective question and requires a, a subjective answer. There's no wrong or right way to answer the questions. Just I want to hear everybody's answer. So that's always fun. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, a quick housekeeping item. This Saturday, we have a mega show coming up. The last one was four hours long. It was a very, very long show. And what's going on, Larry? How are you? Um, it was a very long show. It is our, our Grim Tales Part 3. Uh, Jonathan Grimm, a.k.a. Jim the Tank Dorsey, he worked with the uh, 95 Misfits from 1994 all the way to 2008. And he, you know, I mean, he saw it all. And it's a, it's a part of the history. It's part of the history of this band that we don't really talk about too much on the show. So why not bring on a guy who was there for just about all of it and hear literally his firsthand account, that sort of thing. And so he'll be joining me for that installment. Um, I really shouldn't have done so many shows this week because I got to save my voice. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll be fun. Also, Erivan Part 4 is available for YouTube members. If you have a membership or if you have the Patreon, um, you can watch Part 4 of the of the, of the the hours-long Erivan interview. Parts 2 and 3 only available to Patreon members and YouTube members. Um, parts 1 is out right now, and Part 4 will be out on YouTube proper uh, at the end of the month. But if you want to see all of it right now, you could binge almost three hours of Erie Vaughn talking about M Misfits, Sam Hain, and Danzig. Just head on over to the Patreon or become a YouTube member. Like our good friend up here just joined Muddy Glow, just joined and became a YouTube member. Thank you, Muddy Glow, for the support. All right, no more preamble. Let us bring out our guest. Um, Andy, I first, well, I'll tell you how I met Andy. I'll bring him out and we'll, we'll, we'll say hello. Uh, actually, it's not Andy. It's Satan. All hail 
Satan himself, BLZ That's Bub. Right. BLZ Bub. Welcome to the show, Andy. How are you tonight? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm, oh man, I'm I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm a little haggard. I'm uh, you know I, I I I do what I do. I do what I do, and that's you, all that I do. You do a a lot of talking, man, more than anybody I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really do. I, I really do. But uh, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And a Renaissance man. You make me sound so prestigious, man. You you really are though. You really are. You do you do so much cool stuff, man. I think it's awesome. I love I love that you have all these different hobbies. You play your table. You got your tabletop games. Yeah. What, you play what? What kind of tabletop games you 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 playing? Uh, I play a lot of war games, um, area control okay. games. Okay. Uh, I play a, a lot of RPGs like D and D, Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and this isn't right on now, a computer. Like, this is like like oh, on the school. table. It's old school. You move like yeah. little guys and everything, and. You, you talk in stupid little voices, like stuff you'd get beat up for in high school and middle school. Right. <laughs> Not, actually, actually, those people that were getting beat up back then, yeah. they're now like writing fucking major movies and TV shows. Yeah, like exactly. Things. They use that so, imagination to come up with whatever and whatever. Thank you, James. Uh, shout out to James Gruesome in the comments. Thank you for your support. Appreciate you, sir. James will be on a future episode. We're going to do a top five with James uh, in, in the near future. Um, so thank you, James. And Christopher says, watching from Ga Ghana, West Africa. That's awesome. Wow. Very cool. That is, that That's is far. far off, a far off land. That's sweet. We got a, an international audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these games, they take a long ass time to play, though, right? Uh, it, it varies. It's it's like like music. Some songs like some songs are forty five seconds. Some songs are a half hour. You know, it's it just depends. Depends. But yeah, some I would say the average. If I had to average it out, was like two hours. But if we're doing so, like a, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Finish, finish what you're saying. If we're doing like a, a D and D campaign, a nightly game of that would be anywhere between four to eight hours. Wow. So, yeah. So that's yeah. like. That that's like you know that in advance, and you're like, all right, like like block out the schedule. We're sitting down. We got some drinks. We got some snacks. We're we're going to we're 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 battening down the hatches and going 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 at it. Absolutely. It um. Yeah. Yeah. We always set up like two tables, one for the gaming, one for all the snacks and all the little miniatures that we're gonna put on the the field. And we have our donuts. We got our fucking shots. We got our beer. Can I say fuck? Is fuck okay? Yeah, yeah. You can fucking say whatever the fuck you want. Oh, I can say okay. I, great, great, I, great. you know, there's a, okay. I will say this though. I don't generally tell what my guests what they can and cannot say. But since we're talking about it right now, if uh, there are certain words that YouTube does, like cursing is not good, but like whatever. I, we we do it. I try my best not to curse, but I curse, and, and I don't stop trying to censor my guests for not cursing. However, I don't really try to censor my guests at all. However, there are certain buzzwords that if like a great example, uh, the instead of you could imagine what this word is a substitution for unaliving yourself. You can't say the S word on YouTube. It will bury your video. So it's like, OK, there's it, it's interesting how that works. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the fuck is fuck is fine. Don't I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't worry about it. So do. Your OK. Thing. Yeah. OK, cool. 
Uh, but no, what's cool about role playing is I play with my kids. I got a 10 year old and a 15 year old. And then I play with another friend who's my age, 43, and my wife and another friend who's 32. At the table, we're all the same. Age does not matter. It, it's, <laughs> it's an even equal playing field. We, uh, we make it through the adventure. Everyone's like victorious and excited and happy. We all share the emotions together as a group. And it's, it's, it's such an exhilarating uh, night whenever we play. It, it's fantastic. So if you've there... never played, I recommend it. So I, I have not. Um, so there is, so there is treachery though. Like you could be betrayed by your son or daughter or your wife. <laughs> well, in some, not in some way. Not me. Uh, the way it works. I, I'm the dungeon master. I said, uh, like, drool, drool right, coming out of my, right, my right, mouth. right. Yes. Uh, with my lisp, but, uh, yeah. I'm the dungeon master. So if people, most people not at this point know what a dungeon master is, but if they don't, I'll explain it. A dungeon master controls the environment and the, all the different players called NPCs, non-player characters that my players in the game will interact with. So I am the world. It's like, imagine you're the story, you're the, story. you're the narrator, you're the storyteller. Yeah, correct. So they're never going to betray me. If anything, right. I'll create, I'm going to create characters that will betray them. There you go. So, there you go. Yeah. So, and then that also takes like, you got to sit and write stuff out. I mean, there's like, you got to plot out your, your, what you want to do and everything. And then you got to feel it out. It's an interesting, it's almost like a performance. It's like written performance, like uh spoken word, poetry, art in a weird a lot kind of, of way. A lot you, of you'll improv. Have a, um, a lot of improv and you'll have like, a, uh, you'll have like your, your night planned out for you. You have it all written out, but, yeah. but you're, you can, you can never, predict what the players are going to do so you have, right. to, you have to stay on your toes you do yeah and you don't want to railroad your your players to do something you want to give them freedom sure. but sometimes they do some wacky shit and you're just like god like what am i going to do you know and but it makes for some really cool interesting uh games for sure some interesting sessions so i want to tell everybody um who watches this in the future is watching now how i met andy um it's a good one it's a good one. It's a really good one, actually. You know, yeah. and and it's it's part of a philosophy that I in turn I have to shout out um, this guy, uh, guy from the Nightmares Film Festival, Jason Tustavin. You know, did instill into me this attitude of just like, hey, you know, just go to fest and get like get out there, get involved and what. I did the same thing at Genre Blast as well. Um, when the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival was setting up, you know, I live right next to sleep, like the Sleepy Hollow, like Sleepy Hollow from the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is like the coolest town ever. And Andy can attest. Andy's been there. He's sort of seen some of the vibe out there. Um, they were setting up in the uh, Terrytown. Uh, Terry, what is it called? God damn it. The Terrytown uh, Playhouse, whatever the hell it is. It's an old timey sort of theater. And a bunch of bunch of guys from LA, uh, really really great guys, um, Michael McCartney and uh, Matt. Uh, what the hell is his last name? Matt with an last name with an L. Uh, oh my god, this is gonna bother me. Matt Levey? No, not Matt Levey. Uh, whatever. In any case, he he runs. He has Lala LA Records. I think he has like a soundtrack business and whatnot. Great great people. And they put together the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival, and they were doing some, they had some really cool programming. One of the things that they had worked out was um, something that's super duper rare. It is um, 
it's something that was uh, written and directed by the team behind Reanimator. It was Stuart Gordon and uh, Dennis Paoli. Is that how you say his last name? Am I Dennis Paoli. That's right. That's right. Dennis no, no, Paoli. Okay, it. good. You got it. It was it was those two. I'm sure there was a bunch more on the team, and you know, not to forget Jeffrey Combs himself, who brings Edgar Allan Poe to life. And you know, Stuart has tragically passed before he died. He was trying to get it made as a movie. They were trying to get it off the ground, trying to get it made as a movie. Uh, Jeffrey Combs had played um, Edgar Allan Poe in a Stuart Gordon uh, Masters of Horror episode as well, um, which was separate, which was a, a separate sort of situation thing. Um, but eventually it, it all synthesized into uh, Nevermore, which is a, a one-man show about Edgar Allan Poe. Right. And uh, they brought that to the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. And Andy happens to be Jeff. What are, what exactly? I don't want to I don't want to miss misspeak here. What exactly is your affiliation in this realm with Jeffrey Combs and that that uh, scenario? Uh, me and my wife have been doing his makeup for Nevermore since. Uh, God, 2009. It's been a long time. Yeah, so you've been involved yeah. with it for like the I mean that's per, I think it started day one. Then, right? Day one. Oh. Day one. Day one. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. so Andy has actually been you know, he's a part of that team that helped Jeffrey Combs bring Edgar Allan Poe to life and in the sense that in order to partially bring him back from the dead and the, i'm talking very loosely like this because i will describe what my experience was watching this um, oh he's poe he's, he's po. got a yeah oh i know he's poe po. i know he's poe po. i oh, know yeah. he's poe um That's him. Well, well what what is amazing though is like you know they they really make him up they really make him up he has to have like a a, a prosthetic nose and he's got his <laughs> mustache and all his yeah i'll get to that in a second so, so i was just i was just volunteering because i had, there was this attitude of like, hey, you know, uh, if you think something's really cool, like try and get involved in some way, shape, or form. I'm a filmmaker, you know, kind of, you know, sort of dabbling around on the fest circuit here and there. And I was like, you know, this is local, and I want to be involved in some way, shape, or form. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit these guys up. So I emailed the the team, Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. They gave me a badge, a volunteer badge. I didn't really do much. I just sort of mucked around. Whatever they needed, I was there. You know, if they wanted me to stand outside and pass out uh, programs or whatnot, street traffic. Um, it was happening in October for mm. uh, in Sleepy Hollow, which is like, I mean, there's so much tourism around. There. It's just like Salem. It's like Salem. So you get a lot of tourists. And um, and that's where I bumped into Andy. I don't know. He was outside or something. We just started talking. I mean, that's true. You start talking to people. And that's I, the... I, I, uh, yeah, I what do you, do you remember? I think I saw you uh, sitting down in the theater. I, I may have saw oh, you in your, ja your jacket, and I think it had some maybe a Misfits patch or something. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but I, I think I saw something with music, and we started talking. It was my Misfits. shirt. I, you were probably I, I was wearing a shirt of some kind. I don't know what it was, but I was probably wearing it on my shirt. And we started, yes, we started talking about the Misfits initially, and that's the yeah. again, that's the beautiful thing about going to these fests. It's like. You know, a lot of people go to fest because they want to submit their films and they want those films to like do really well. And that's all good. 
you have to really decide like what kind of experience do I want to get out of going to a fest? And one of the experiences you get to meet people, you yeah, can meet yeah. people and you know, something might come of a meeting and or nothing might come of a meeting, but you still get to like meet people and have like good times and whatnot. And so, yeah, Andy and I just started really just shooting the shit and we were talking about, you know, misfits. And this is before I started doing all this stuff online, but I was just like, Oh yeah, man, misfits, blah, 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 blah. And uh, we started, you know, to realize that there were some common threads. And then he was like, Oh yeah, I'm the makeup artist, Jeffrey Combs. I was like, Holy fucking shit, dude. Jeffrey fucking Combs, man. Cause like, you know, like for me and eventually I, you know, Andy, uh, 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 introduced me to Jeffrey Combs. I got to meet him very briefly, just like a a very quick hello. And he took my picture with him and I'll tell you something. I've met all sorts of famous people and I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form, like a humble brag or anything. I'm just saying I've I've met like people that are way more famous than Jeffrey Combs and I didn't even, it doesn't, I just was not phased. It just what it was, whatever. Je- meeting Jeffrey Combs, what I was like, I was so nervous and tongue-tied. I could not, I was breathless. I literally could not, because mm. this guy, I think he's one of the greatest fucking living actors walking the he planet. Is. Yeah, he's and incredible. I'm like, I'm, I just, I would, you know what it was? I was just, I felt so intimidated. And he didn't put off any sort of vibe of being intimidating at all. He's like the nicest, most like, disarming type of guy he sees that i'm tongue-tied he's like oh nice jacket you got there and i'm like yeah oh, yeah uh thanks i remember that i remember that very clearly yeah you know it's like when i first met jeff um he was just sitting there in the makeup chair and how i got the gig was a friend of mine named greg mcdougall he initially had the gig and they did a test makeup i was i wasn't there for the test makeup but then he decided he didn't want to do it for whatever reason i don't remember why so he called my wife, who he's friends with, and at that time, my wife was 20, right? We weren't even married yet. And so she was like, yeah, Andy, I just, Greg just called me, he wants to know if I wanted this job, and it's working with a, a, a Stuart Gordon's for, I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, well, go on, go on. Yeah, it's with Stuart Gordon for, you know, and there's an actor named Jeffrey Combs, uh, I just, I lost my shit. Like it's fuck, you know, crazy. And so like in my head, he's, you know, he's uh the dude from um, Frighteners, Dob- what's his name? Dauber or something like that. Uh, he's agent Dammers. Dammers. So he's Dammers and he's Herbert West. I, I was expecting some kooky guy, but uh, you know, he's an actor. So when I meet yeah. him, he's like, Hey, how's it going, Andy? I'm like, Oh, he's just a normal <laughs> dude. Just He's a he's a family man, you know. He's a family man, really really normal, highly intelligent, super smart. You know, he's very witty. Um, but he was just a really nice guy. He's a really nice guy. We spent we spent a lot of time traveling, gotten to know each other pretty well. He's like an uncle to me now at this point. He's he's, he's cool. I saw him at Monster Plaza like two weeks ago, and you know he's talking to people. Then as soon as he sees me, he's like Andy. He gives me a big hug. He like forgets about all the people he's talking to he makes you feel special you know he's, he's cool he's a great guy he he really he really is something else yeah and, he's something else um you know just being in his presence it was it was it was amazing it was really amazing and uh you know you know what it is it's just that like i i i revel in that dude's genius i just think he his genius in bringing that that you know it's not just the herbert west performance I mean, he's been in a million movies 
I mean, mm-hmm. you, there, you literally, there's anything that, that Jeffrey Combs is in, you're going to have fun watching. Like, I'll watch a movie just because Jeffrey Combs is in it. Um, but there's something don't about Don't bring up, don't, don't yeah, bring up fear.com, fear.com or Faust. I, okay, first of all, I, you know, it's funny. I just rewatched Faust be, uh, about a year ago because I, I did an interview with, with Brian Usna and I wanted to be well-versed. I watched Initiation, Silent Deadly Night Part 4, which I had never seen before, which was directed by Usna as well. And I watched Faust, which I hadn't seen since like 1999. 2000, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I forgot. I like, man, like I will say this about those two performances in particular, Fear.com and Faust. Uh, Combs is slightly miscast in those roles. He's not. He is, absolutely. It's, it's not really, like I, I still, again, <clears throat> I will endlessly, in, I just want to see Combs, just like I like Cage. I'll just watch Combs for the sake of watching Combs. It's like watching an athlete just fucking perform. However, his, yeah, those roles, it would just was not the right, it didn't really connect. It wasn't. Uh, he never deserves a cameo. He should always have a big major role in everything. Because he's I so agree. Good. Or. Yeah, they just want to, they just want to like put his name on the banner, you know, Jeffrey, starring Jeffrey Combs and, you know, brings people in, pay him for a this. day and then. I will say this. I will say this. He, he, his his role in the frightener he frighteners he doesn't have he doesn't have a big major part he's like a secondary antagonist but he's got an arc he steals every scene that he is in he's magnetic he's mm-hmm. magnetic mm-hmm. you can't take your eyes off him in that role yeah he's so yeah. just it's one of my favorite performances it's just it's a weird perfect. Time. yes we we've talked of, we have we have we have seriously gushed about it on this channel so often that uh uh agent dammers in um and he had you know he he had spacers he took spacers and put them behind his ears to make his ears stick out like he really right. brought so much and peter jackson just allowed him to to run wild with with the character and um combs knew what he was doing man he really did yeah they should have put him in lord of the rings i don't, I don't know why they didn't why know. not man like he could I have know. been an elf he could have been he could have done you know what he could have done he could have done um i mean brad duraf is great in his role but i could have seen combs in that role as well you know easily been great. easily oh my god easily, he would have been yeah. so perfect for that yeah. role or you know, as some kind of orc, because you know, like uh, what he likes to get into the makeup for like Star Trek and shit. So yeah. you know, why not make him an orc or something? Yeah. Um, but in any case, he was doing. So he was there at the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival mm-hmm. to do a performance of Nevermore, and I don't, I'm not, don't, I'm not sure about this. I think this was the last time he's done it. He hasn't done one since. They're sporadic now, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. every once in a while the, he'll he'll do it. You know. He's done one uh, since then, and that was in um, huh. actually when he, he his last show he did was on a Star Trek cruise really? back back in two thousand. Actually, when we were on the ship, the cruise ship, yeah, this, LA LA went into the state of emergency for COVID. Oh my god! Yeah, so it was like we were looking at our phones, going, "Fuck, LA's in state of emergency. Shit, are we stuck here?" And as we as we were uh, docking. Uh, they let us off and we were fine, but the ship after us, they 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 quarantined him for two weeks. That's so he was one of the people yeah. that was stuck on that ship because that was in the news. Sherm, Sherm, love you as well, man. Sherm Smoke, shout out to Sherm Smoke in the in the in the chat. Um, 
Oh, so he was what? Because I remember hearing about that. That that he, he wasn't quarantined. Not Combs, but that people were the cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, that the cruise yeah. ships were like you know you could not come to the mainland or whatever. That was a ship after us, so we were that close to getting quarantined. Yeah, that is so insane. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that Andy, I guess, does from time to time, I, I, I guess the situation always varies, but if you are lucky enough, if you are in Andy's proximity, um, it is very possible that you can wind up with. The nose itself. And I <laughs> yeah. was very lucky to be the recipient of Jeffrey Combs's nose as Edgar Allan Poe. And it's right here. <laughs> there it is. Uh, this is it. The tissue. <laughs> I still in the tissue. I have never, you know, it's funny. I was terrified. I wasn't sure what would, what would happen to it. If I like, I didn't know if I had to like preserve it in a certain way or I just, you know, sort of held on to it and it's, it's held up. Okay. I think eventually like it'll probably crumple. But it's it's a it's silicone, so it's gonna last forever. Really? Well, well I oh, mean, it's gonna me... last. It's gonna last, you know, fifty years. It's not like foam latex where it, it goes into the sun, it gets UV rays on it, and starts to deteriorate. It's silicone. Yeah. Maybe maybe what I'll do is I'll have it cased in encased in whatever uh, lucite, whatever that stuff is, just so I could, you know, I, I cherish this thing. This is. Jeffrey Combs's nose when he becomes Ponos, yeah, the Ponos. Ponos, it becomes Edgar Allan Poe. Now, um, one thing that's incredible about this performance. So, what is Nevermore? Nevermore is basically um, it's Poe gets on stage. It's a one man show, yeah, an hour and a half long. Right. Uh, he essentially, um, it's like he's doing a reading for the audience. He's just talking about his life, but he progressively gets drunk throughout the performance. Right. And it's just Poe going off warts and all, you know, just riffing, just talking about his, uh, his critics and he's criticizing his critics and it's just a woo roller coaster of emotions, you know? And uh, there was one performance back in God, it was like 2014. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't even remember where it was to be honest. Uh, maybe Arkansas. I, I could be wrong. Uh, but his sister just died. Oh, his sister just died, and um, oh my god, he, he he found out like hours before the show. So he channeled all that energy into that performance for an hour and a half. Wow! And um, and the audience was in tears. Oh my god, he moved everybody. This, I mean, it, the energy, like everyone was just like focused on him, like. He had the audience. And then I remember after the show, like my, my, uh, part of my job is not only doing his makeup, but to like kind of wrangle him a little bit. Like, sure. I'll, I'll go buy him like sushi or whatever and bring it back to him to, you know, to eat our Starbucks. And then as soon as the show's done, his, his throat's always, you know, hoarse. So I always bring him like ice cold water. So as soon as the show was done, I, I ran downstairs to the, uh, the dressing room and he was like hunched over the, the makeup station just falling his eyes out just oh. crying like crazy i felt so bad but it was oh my god but man but the audience got a show <laughs> holy shit they got a show that um, was that was one for the books i you know the other thing what's what's really makes really puts it up so first of all the does he change the, the he tells one post story does he change that story from show to show or is it always he always does the telltale heart it does telltale heart you know, <coughs> um Annabelle Lee, 
Right, right, right. The Raven. Uh, he does a few others. Like there was some, um, I believe, poems from like letters that he wrote. He does some of those that were like unfinished, that were like written to women. So like he they they dug pretty deep for uh, for that performance. So like they they actually took like things he said in letters. You know, like right. You have to be a real extreme Poe fan to know that. So. Well, uh, I all cool. I remember was just how he, you know, all he's doing is reciting a story. It's one guy on stage, and he's reciting the Telltale Heart, and he the way he works himself into a frenzy. And then here's the other thing that's so brilliant about the, how everything works: he lights a candle. Mm. He has these prompts, mm. and how do I know this? I don't actually know this. This is just my, what I observed from the audience. He has these prompts. The first prompt is he has a candle. And when the candle burns down a certain way, it tells him where he needs to be with the performance in some way, shape, or form. It's a brilliant cue. And then the other thing is he he drinks the... He drinks the tea. His, uh, right. The, the whiskey. The whiskey. Rye whiskey. Yeah, rye right. Whiskey. And, and, you know, on some level, it must, it must allow him in his performance... He goes, okay, I drank a little bit more. I drank a little bit more. Like something must like it it must help him get into that space as he's doing it. And when he gets down to the bottom, he knows it's like he can almost monitor, you know, his intensity <clears throat> by how much he's drank. And it's just I I I that's what I surmised when I was watching from the audience. And um there was one part where he fell off the stage. I think he did it on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, he did it on purpose, but it's just so. Oh my god, it just—I can't gush enough. And basically, what to sum it all up, what it really is—it's not a play and it's not a performance. What it, it actually is, and I really believe this in my heart of hearts, it's a séance. He's mm -hmm. conducting a séance, and he really does channel the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe. So, if you are fortunate enough to catch. Nevermore, if if it's happening anywhere in your youth, this is a treat. This is something that has, I guess, I guess not. But uh, you know, if you if you if some if if it ever comes up that it is, uh, uh, do not hesitate in the least to go and check it out because it will blow you away. Because yeah, I saw him uh, when I saw him two weeks ago. He told me, Andy, I think Nevermore has come to an end. You know, I'm 65, uh, 66 now, and I don't have the energy and it's, it's like climbing Mount Everest every time I have to do the show. Cause it, he's got to uh, go for walks and jogs. He's got to, he's got to sure. get his, he's got to get his conditioning up. And then he has to like recite the, the whole thing, like constantly, like for weeks on end to like prep. Cause it's, it's not something he just remembers off the cuff, you know? So, you know, um, I, of all the things that he's done in his career, I feel like from like an, an, an acting standpoint, I feel like that's like, the zenith, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like on all levels, like just the performance and the, and prepping and everything that you're describing right now for him on some level, it must be so fulfilling as an actor to do that show. I can't, can't even it is, it's, it's pretty crazy. Cause there was a lot of, uh, really well-known actors, you know, like horror actors and, um, like uh, who was, uh, Robert Picardo, you know who it is? Uh, sounds familiar. Name sounds familiar. Uh, he he was like the uh the gym teacher in um, Wonder Years, and he's okay. in Star Trek. Okay, he's in a lot of yeah. Things. He's in a lot yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. I think I know your face. Yeah, 
he he was on the cruise, the Star Trek cruise, and afterwards, after the show was done, like him and a bunch of the other Star Trek actors that came backstage and they were just like, oh, and these are like all, they're all Shakespearean trained actors, you know, they're right. like, they're top notch. And so they're just like, shit, like Jeff just like blew our minds. So like actors all bow to him after that show. They're just like, fuck, that's, that's it. They've got to shoot the movie, man. They've got to like, if he's done, if he's done, it has to be archived. It has to be well, like, Preserved um, in some way, shape, or form. It like they can't we, cut we, it. Yeah, we actually did shoot something. Like, oh yes! Oh, so something's been shot officially. It has, but there was some weird technical issues with it. Uh, I mean, it exists. It exists. That's good. It's somewhere, it's on a hard drive somewhere, an external hard drive sitting somewhere. I don't know where, but it's somewhere. I know it exists. Um, we shot it. I remember we did like makeup tests for it. We actually um had the lights for it, but for whatever reason, it was really weird. Like when they would change the lights, it was too drastic and his nose would look like a different color from his, his skin tone. Oh no. So, but at least so it's it preserved. got like, it's preserved. It's art. It's documented. It's, it's documented. I, I think they've even released like little snips of it there. Cause they were trying to do like a, a Kickstarter for it back in like right. 2011 or 12. And no, it, that, it didn't I remember funded. that. I remember that, but what happened was so. Wait a minute. So hold on a second. If you were there almost from the beginning, that means that you also worked with and knew Stuart Gordon on some level, yeah. right? Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, my totally. god, what the fuck yeah. was that like, dude? Um, you know, I, I, I was of course like starstruck when, I, when yeah. I met him, but um, for whatever reason, him and I never can never connect. I don't know. I don't know if I was like, he just saw me as like a little young punk kid, but we just never connected on any level. It was hard, you know, but like, I was always in awe of him. I respected him. And sure. he was just always kind of like, I don't know if he wrote me off or something or what the deal was, but, um, uh, we just never hit it off very well. I don't know. I don't know. And so, wow, that's so incredible. What an incredible experience. I mean, you really are. My, like, my wife, my wife yeah. hit it off with him really well. They would travel together. Really? Uh, yeah, my wife used to travel with Jeff before I did. Then it got to a point where he was like, "Well, you're, you know, your wife's taking care of the kids now, so I want you to come with me." So I'm like, "Okay." So I took over for a little bit, but she was doing it all the heavy lifting for quite a while. Um, wow! But she she went on on uh, many airplane flights with with Stuart and sat next to him, and Amazing. she was reading like books about serial killers, and you know, Stuart like try to pick her brain, and was like, "Huh, that that could be a cool script." Like, you know, he would. He was his brain was always being creative, you know. But uh, I think the only time me and Stuart really connected was talking about like miniatures. He liked to paint miniatures. Oh, did he really? That's yeah, so cool. he did. He did. So we, we talked about oh. board games a little bit, and we had a good conversation. But most of the time, he he was just too busy or too um, his brain was elsewhere, you know. So, but what was really cool though is after the show, he would always come back and give Jeff critiques of of the show of like how we really, performed. yeah. And tell him what to do, what not to do next time, and and um, and and Jeff was always like, "Yeah, you know, you're right. That's you're right." He'd always listen to Stuart and say, "Yeah, what okay. a partnership, man! All that yeah, time, it, all those years, it was they, cool. They, it's freaking crazy, dude. There and, was a, there was another time Bernie Wrightson came backstage, and I was like, "Fuck." This is this is the man right here. Here's yeah, here's that is the thing, man you know? right there. Yeah, I mean, I have a book of his stuff right over there. Oh my god, one of my favorites. And one they were actually 
talking about doing a, a Nevermore uh, comic, a graphic novel with Ooh. him, you know, doing all the art for it. But he died, like, I think two years later and just yeah. it never happened. So, but I got to hear the conversation. It was cool. I, you know, that, and that was the thing about Stuart too, is that like, it's a, like he tried to do the Nevermore thing. I feel like that was around 2014, 2015, maybe something like that. And oh, then man. Yeah. He and then that didn't pan out. I think I kicked in for that actually. I think I might have donated to that campaign. And um and he was just like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm like, like, I'm not trying to go out there and you know, makes you know, get get stuff made anymore. And that's such a shame on some level. Well, it's a shame. He is, yeah, he's um Stuart was kind of stubborn and wanted things done a certain way. And if you can right. done his way, he just would rather not. He was uncompromising. Yeah. He was uncompromising. His last movie, I think, was Edmund in 2005, actually. I'm not sure if he did anything oh, wow. after that. Did uh, you do King, a, King of the, when was King of the Ants? King of the Ants, which also sitting right over there, um, was right around that time. I think mm. King of the Ants is 2003 or 2002. Oh, okay. And, okay. Um, yeah, and then he did Edmund. And that was which is the one which is the one with the girl that like crashes or like she hits no the guy. oh oh sorry that's his last movie my mistake <clears throat> that's from 2007 with Mina Servini and that is that's stuck it's yeah, based yeah. on a true story that stuck. was his last that's movie yeah, yeah, he just yeah, yeah. what a, he just what a what a brilliant guy like just all the stuff all that crazy stuff you make and you know Castle Freak Castle Freak was like a modern universal horror film man mm-hmm, you know yeah. it was like a like an uh, like that you know when I think of like what would be universal horror in the 90s castle freak man that was it yeah um but more but, more adult <laughs> but more adult missing exactly. a dick missing a dick yeah. missing a dick um but overall what an incredible experience and what yeah, it was yeah, just an amazing yeah. i i'm i i do hope that that in some way shape or form somebody comes along and maybe shudder or something and they go hey we want let's do let's do uh nevermore make it happen and 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 get something going so that way it's properly archived if if cuz there's a thing you know part of it was hey we're not going to film this because it's a performance and you have to come and see the performance so you don't see the thing but if he's done yeah. if he's hanging up the 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 pantaloons and the nose then you know why not you know hopefully yeah the uh, who knows the, the the nose and the outfit they were actually from the black cat episode the same mold to make oh, the nose wow. from Black Hat. Yeah. Very so, cool. KMB was cool enough to do, I think they um, made the first, I think like 15 noses. That was the first run. It was like 15 shows originally. Wow. Because, uh, because yeah, me and my wife, we didn't have a life on weekends for a good uh, two or three years. It was just constant, nevermore. Every weekend, two or three shows. It was just wow. non nonstop, never ending. I mean, I loved it. Like, Part of me loved it, but I, I still wanted a life. But it was just like, oh, this is like, this is magical. I know this is going to be a, a time in my life I'm going to reflect upon and go like, fuck, I was part of that, you know? You were part but of that, still, dude. I was part of that, but it was still hard work, you know, still hard work. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, KMB, they made the first, like, 15 noses, <coughs> I believe. And then eventually they decided to extend the show. And they don't want to make any more noses because it's it's a lot of work. So yeah. they eventually were able to, to give Stuart the nose. And then Stu uh, hired me to start making the noses. So from then, from after the first 15 shows, I started making all the prosthetics. So that was pretty cool, too. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
And so you, how did you now let's, let's sort of dip back a little bit. How did you get into special effects, makeup artistry? Because I mean, you are, I mean, you really are something else with like that. You, you all the stuff you sculpt and the stuff you create oh. and this, that, and the other. So tell me about that, how that began for you. How did you get uh, started and how did it become a professional thing? Uh, well, you're nice. Thank you. I, I appreciate the kind of words. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I guess, you know, like, like any other horror fan, you know, you just, you get into movies and you, you live and breathe it and just watch sure. things nonstop. And I, I bought like Tom Savini's grand illusions and other makeup books. And it was just like, you know, this in high school, I remember all my friends, like I would bring like masks to school and I, I tried to wear them in like history class, like a Jason mask and show my horror films. And I, you know, my teacher get pissed at me. And all my friends were like, yeah, one day you're going to be a director or a, a writer or a producer or something. I'm like, that doesn't sound like me. But um, eventually I moved to L.A. Um, like in 2000. And uh, I was I was raised in Jehovah's Witness. Right. So I was. Wow. I was, yeah, I was trying to get I was trying to get away from all this stuff. So gotcha. gotcha. Um, I had met I'd met some um, girl online on AOL back in the day. AOL. And. Oh, well, yeah. And so I moved down here. That was my excuse to get out of San Jose, moved to L.A. And I was here for about maybe four years, just working dead-end jobs. I was at, like, Starbucks for a few years. Uh, then I was working at a pet store. Then I was selling extended car warranties for a bit. You know, it was just really weird jobs. And, oh, lots of video stores. I did, like, two video stores, so that was pretty fun. And then uh, eventually, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? This this isn't what I want to do. I want to, I wanna, like do something that's me. I don't want to work a nine to five. So uh, I went to makeup school and then from makeup school, um, graduated, you, you just meet people here and there. And it's, it's, it's really all word of mouth, you know, and if, if people like you, like, I'm not the most talented guy. There's like some insanely, like the best of the best are in Hollywood. I mean, they're working on movies and in the effects shops. I could do the work pretty good. I'm like competent. Um, but I'm likable. So if you're likable, you can get work. Sure. That, you want to be able to vibe. You want to be able to vibe with someone who, you know, like you got to be around all the time. You want to be able to vibe with someone, you know, cause you're, you're, you're going to be working under very stressful conditions with super tight, uh, timeframes, timelines. And, depending on how you handle the stress will, you know, determine if you get a job next time, you know? Yeah. So, uh, sure. and I, I think I handle stress pretty well. I mean, we all commiserate together, you know, we all like bitch and moan, but we do it together as, as, as a unit, you know, but if, if you take it out on people, well, yeah, th this, the industry is very, um, itself filters itself, you know, it's just, it's self filtering. So if, if you're like, uh, if you're a dickhead, then yeah, I mean, eventually you get you get a blacklisted from all these different shops. They won't hire you anymore, and then you just you're out of a job, you're out of a career. That's it. So, but yeah, it's, I I, I started I started doing this in like 2004 or five. I don't remember the exact. I think it's maybe four or five. So it's been almost 20 years now. It's crazy. Wow, time flies. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. So. What is um now? What is what? Do me one favor because it's just bothering me. Uh, you got too much headroom. Could you just tilt your camera down a little? Yeah. 
That was just bother. I couldn't concentrate because I was like, there you go. Okay. A little better? bit better. That's a better. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yes. Okay. okay. Good. Good. Um, what is the thing? Okay. So what is, what are the things that you really love? And what are the things that just like, are like, oh my God, I got to do that. Fuck. I hate doing this. Like, what is like, you know, in terms of like the tasks, the workflow of special effects makeup, like. Do you love the sculpting? Like what part of the process in the same way that as a filmmaker, some filmmakers like things in different ways. Some like to do the editing the most. Some like to do the writing the most. Some like production the most, you know? So what, what part of the process do you love the most? And what part of the process is maybe uh, the one that maybe it causes you the most headaches, but you know, you're like, Oh, I'm it, it's all good. Oh, it really depends on the job. But, um, there's a lot like, all the shops are very compartmentalized. So when you go to most shops, you're going to do one thing and you're going to be stuck doing that for the whole duration of the show. Gotcha. Um, if some of the smaller shops, like I'm at a, a shop that's like a medium level size shop right now. I'm doing everything. Like I'm running around doing um, like I'm, I'm molding one day. And then like this past week, I was uh, distressing outfits, make them look old. And sure. like, I, I, I had to do a Captain America outfit for marvel zombies so i had to take a captain a legit captain america outfit and destroy it with sandpaper and spray paint dirt not spray paper airbrush dirt all over it and make it look you know burnt like it was hit by a bunch of lasers and dude you're and, working and on missiles. the fucking marvel zombies it's something I, I don't know if it's marvel zombies or not or for i'm not exactly sure what it was for but also uh, another star lord i had to do a, a star lord um guardians of the galaxy 3 jacket and you know, distress Very that cool. pants. It's like, oh shit, this is this is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we were doing for all mankind. I was like working on the shoes, putting those together, putting the outfit together, like a bunch of spacesuits for the TV show. And then also um, casting a bunch of things. So I mean, I'm I'm doing a lot. You get to wear many hats at smaller shops, but at the so, bigger shops, do you like that though? Ahead. Do you like that better than just doing I the like same thing over and over again? Real I, quick, I, I, I do. Uh, Kevin Vonsper is in the uh, comments. He's saying, Yo, what's, what's up, up, man? Kevin, uh -huh. how are you doing? Kevin, you uh, got, got your nose. Got your nose. <laughs> yes. Um, real quick, Kevin is having the Sexecutioner on. If you're a fan of Guar, uh, Kevin does the Guar pod, and he's had uh, Techno Destructo. He had hmm? Sleazy P. Martini. He's had a bunch of people. Oh, he just finished his live one with the Sexecutioner. So go check that out. When you're done here, go head over there and check out his uh, his his podcast. Yeah, uh, techno uh, techno destructo. He's a, a pretty pretty good friend of mine, a really dear friend of mine. Like, oh nice. He, he comes over. We play board games all the time. That's like when he comes over. He doesn't want to talk about Guar or any. I mean, he will sure. still bring it up. He'll still bring it up. Trust me. But it's mostly comic books, anime, horror films board games that's what we bond over you know it's 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 great we have like lots of game nights with him he, he's a good dude he's a good dude and he, li he lives out i know he lived out there i thought he was in yeah. uh canada or something no no he lives out here oh yeah he lives nice out here. that's uh, great back in like 2018 19 he was living with me for about six months so wow. yeah he was yeah 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 so we got to be pretty close yeah he's, he's a good dude that's awesome that's my cat um hi cat what's the name of your cat this is Lucifer. 
Oh, she's a Lucy, Lucy Fur. Got it. Lucy got Fur, it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, Lucy Fur. <laughs> yes. She's sweet. She's sweet. She meows um, a lot. But yeah. The small shop. So you like, so you can do, you get to do a bunch of stuff. You get to just stress outfits. And for those of you out there who, who don't know um, what distressing means, it's, it's where you got to make it look distressed. You got to rough it up. You want to make it lived in or worn in, you know, for mm-hmm. how it suits the story. And someone's got to do that. And that is one of the, clearly the many tasks that Andy is tasked with at this uh, shop. Yeah, at the bigger shops, though, you, you work on um, bigger shows, like more prestigious work. Like uh, the last shop before this one, I was at uh, KMB for about two, two and a half years. And I was doing all the, the Walking Dead stuff and uh, Very cool. Space Jam. Space Jam. Oh, God. Uh, Creep Orville. Show. Creep Show season one and two. Yeah, I did. Very uh, cool. I'm on the credit. I'm on the credits for that. Oh, my, my most favorite thing was I, I did a Tarantino film. What did he do? <laughs> he just put his hand over the camera and then disappeared. Was that part of the Tarantino film? Was it a magic trick? Michael Graves is live on the Tim cast right now. What is the Tim cast? I don't know what that is. Andy, where did you go? Andy. He, he he left us, everybody. He left us. They left us. They had to. What movie is that from? Um, oh, you know what? He might have gotten a phone call. I bet you he got a phone call on his phone and it caused his thing to go out. That's what I'm going to imagine. So in the meantime, while we wait for him to return... Let me tell you a little bit about Riot Stickers. That's right, baby. We got Riot Stickers right here. Look at these stickers. They have a UV coating that protects them from the sun. They're printed on vinyl. Here he is. He's back again. Hey, what's going on? That was weird, man. I just assumed your phone picked up or rang or something. Yeah, it rang and it back. froze completely. That was weird. That's all right. Uh, hold on real quick, Andy. We're just, gonna just, uh, do our, we're just doing our quick uh, okay. um, uh, commercial here. Yep. <laughs> Riotstickers.com. We have uh, the sponsor of the Frumis channel. Uh, we're running a special promotion with Riot Stickers right now. You can get a thousand stickers for $79. I mean, that is a steal. That's seven cents per sticker. These are UV stickers, right? They're UV protection from the sun. They're printed on vinyl, so they're waterproof. And again, you're not going to find cheaper stickers than seven cents a sticker. You can only get that through our special promotion right here on the Frumis channel. That's uh, riotstickers.com. Yeah, I can hear you. I think I can hear you. Riotstickers.com backslash Frumis. F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And that that link is in the description. So that's the only place you're going to find the deal. Click on that link and you can get a thousand stickers for $79. It's the only way to go about it. Um, We are going to play our 62nd riotstickers.com um thing sorry i'm having trouble talking right now we make stickers banners and buttons too posters and promo cards 
Riotstickers.com, baby. Riotstickers.com. Um, so, <clears throat> all right, hold on real quick. Let me just put this down. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Yeah, we're good. All right. So we were talking about um, uh, what it's like to work at these shops and work in the, uh, you know, the, the, your favorite tasks and your least favorite tasks. So what is something that, it, oh, oh, no, you know what we were talking about? We were talking about, um, oh, you can't hear me at all. I, no, my wife is trying to talk to me while while you're talking, and I'm just getting distracted. Okay, that's okay. Hello, hi. I don't. Oh know yeah, here she is. Talking. She 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 also did makeup with um, Stuart and Jeff. Come here, just say hi. Oh, just, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's she's all like, eh, I'm not camera ready, but oh, that's okay. If you she, she's still to, lovely and beautiful. Oh, okay. Here she is. Hi. hi there. Nice to meet <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah, she can't hear. She can't pick up that headset in, but. Yeah, Stuart would try to make her eat all kinds of gross stuff like, you know, veal and <laughs> like pate and she'd be fucking barfing, you know, and monstrous, she was like, no. Monstrous. But then he would yeah, get me good her. wine. Then he'd get her good wine. Yeah, so. he'd be like, try this wine. I'd be like, sure. Yes. Yeah. So, Do it. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. That's Bye. awesome. That's awesome. Water. Don't, don't want to interrupt your interview. Have fun. Bye-bye. Bye. Very nice to meet you. Um, Freaking... Uh, so yeah, so oh, you were working yes. at you were working on KMB, you worked on hey. Walking Dead, you worked on Creep Show, um Tarantino. I finally did a Tarantino film. Oh, that's what it was. We were talking right. Tarantino. What Tarantino movie did you do? Yeah, it was uh, his last one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah, that was cool. that thing. It was the, the very end where they had that dog that like attacks the the Manson family, the Pitbull, I believe. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was you really were cool. on set for that. I wasn't on set. No, oh, you, on set. you just got to build <laughs> no. a dog. You got yeah, to I got build. to yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, See, most of the time I, I'm never on set. Most most effects people aren't on set. They just they sit in a stinky, dirty, toxic shop and they build things. It's not glorious work. It's, it's not you know uh, fancy, but it's cool. You know. Then we send then we send all that shit to set. And the people on the set who execute it, they get the, all, all the fucking glory and all the credit. So, and That was going to be my next question, actually, as someone who has spent very little time. So I, <clears> I consider <throat> I am a filmmaker. I make micro-budget feature films. But I, you know, I'm not in the environments that you are in at all. I don't know anything about them. Um, tell me what. So how does who is the person that is executing that on the set? Is that just special effects department that gets the special effects makeups? I mean, don't you need a special effects makeup artist to be on set to apply makeup? So isn't there like is there like an intermediate sort of role in that kind of way, or how does mm. that all work? Well, first off, you got to be union. And to go union for uh, for makeup is like it's like yeah. winning the lottery. It's really hard. It's but once really you're hard. in, when you're in, you're in, right? Like that's mm. like it's even then you're not guaranteed work. You know, there's it, the really? makeup the makeup union is so oversaturated. It has so many people in it right now. Um, most people that that go union are usually like females who are trying to you know uh, older male makeup artists are trying to bang these female chicks and so they get them in <laughs> it sucks i know mean, it's good for them though it's good for them you know but um or or you have to work like x amount of days for so many years and then right, you have to earn uh, and then and, then you have to pay eight thousand dollars to join it's crazy and you know what it, it's easy you know 
someone could say to me right now what i'm about to say as kind of sounding conceited or whatever but at the end of the day like everything you're describing it's like if i want to make a movie i should just go and try and make a fucking movie like fuck it yeah why do i want to try and climb this ladder it's a it's a rat race that i'm never gonna friggin win uh because at the end of the day and you know not i mean this is a very generalized comment uh comment or or notion is that you're in such there's so much competition and there's always going to be someone that's better than you in some way shape or form or somebody who has a better in than you that beats you out and it's just kind of like like i don't even want to like maybe i don't want to like even put my energy into that i'd rather you know be fulfilled in doing my own independent projects right where i'm at and just call it a day and be happy in that way shape or form i suppose it is different if if it is your livelihood, if this is, if it's not just an artistic endeavor, if this is how you are making money, it's a completely different conversation. It's completely different notions here. But yeah, if, you know, you know that, that's the thing. It's like, um, it is, it is the way we make, make a living. And sometimes it, it's very right. easy. It's very easy to, um, become jaded, you know? Yeah, sure. But sure. there's once in a while you have to like realize like, shit, I'm like, I'm part of elite group of people that get to make some amazingly cool awesome things like people like when i was 15 were daydreaming about what people like me now were doing in the shop like how are they making sure. all this shit and sure. i'm doing it i'm fucking doing it you know so it's it's cool but yeah there, there's a lot of times where the politics they they really wear you down they really they really get to you and uh, that's literally what tough. i was when you were talking about distressing clothes and i was thinking about like that's what i do in my free time like, oh, I'm doing this for this scene that I have to shoot. I have to distress these clothes. Yeah. I would never imagine. I can't imagine a million years being paid to do that. And like, that is like your reality. Like, that's amazing. That is yeah, fucking amazing, dude. It's cool. It's really it's like, cool. You sit there, probably listen to your own music if you want. You put a, put your earbuds in. You're just like, I gotta fucking distress this. And it's yeah, like, like that's, today. I, that's nine to today, five. I, today I was blasting like Demu year Then I was playing Rainbow. And then like Halloween, blasting it, just fucking blasting it. And I'm I'm yeah. like distressing a Marvel zombie outfit. You know, it's fucking cool. That's your I mean, that's that's a pretty great reality, Andy. That's a pretty yeah. great reality. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. Day. And you yeah. know, it, it you know, it also does speak to the idea of like again, when you're when money is tied to your passion, it it create it like it can fuck with your emotions, man. It's like you know, it's like, it's like the, when those things overlap and then it's like, Oh, this is my passion, but it's also work or it's my, work. uh, yeah, that happens way too often. Um, it's people get so attached to the work that they're doing for the shop owner. And if the shop owner wants to make a change, they come in and give you a new direction and uh, the artist doesn't agree with it. Oh, they'll, they'll butt heads, you know? Wow. Yeah. It, it's very hard to take How a step you, back and go what like, do you do in that situation do you do you like i mean is there like how far do you push the envelope <laughs> or do you just go well you know look i want to it's like what you were saying before i want to be a guy you know you don't want to get blacklisted you don't want to make waves you want to be an enjoyable person which means you have to be an agreeable person so like on what level do you let go of the rope you know it's like it's it depends on the situation man. You know, um, sure. If sure, it's like sure. if it's something that if it's something that uh, production's calling for, then you know, right. then the uh, 
the shop owner is just kind of following orders. He's doing what he's told and he's just passing it on to you. So you kind of, you'll grumble about it and you have to do it. But if it's the shop owner that's telling you to do something different and you, you know a better way to do it, or you kind of, you got some foresight that it's not going to work down the road because you've been down that road before, then you'll kind of push back a little bit and it's hard not to, you know, uh, and sometimes they'll listen to you. Sometimes they won't. And then if it doesn't, it doesn't work. And then you're pissed off and you're like, you, you can't tell them. I told you so, you know, now let me ask you this question. Um, you, I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you, you're so, you're so like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you're, you're so steeped in all of these different processes. Have you ever thought about just striking out on your own? Or is that just like a th it, that's not that's just not even worth your your the the effort and energy. Uh, you it's better to be <clears throat> in somebody else's situation where you can just sort of come and go as you please. Okay, you know a lot of people they say um, that they would never do it, then they end up doing it. Yeah, you know, um, a, a lot of times the people that start throwing shops, they're either people that don't get along with people in other shops. So they're like, I'm just gonna go on my own because, but they don't recognize that they don't get along with other people. They just naturally don't get along with people. And they're like, well, I can do it better by myself. And then right. those people become your boss and they're assholes, you know, they suck. <laughs> and that's a lot, that's a lot, you know, but some of them are really nice. Some are really, really cool. So, uh, but yeah, you know, we're, we're all artists, we're all, um, uh, uh, we're not always the best with people. Like, you know, you, you got th these guys that were in the room sculpting as, you know, 12 year olds up until their twenties and right. they finally make it into the, the effects industry and they didn't work on their people skills. You know, they're just right. passionate about the work. They, they're, so, they're intelligent artists, but they don't have empathy or they don't have uh, emotional. Here's a thing that every, in every industry you need emotional intelligence Emotional intelligence, probably the number yeah. one thing, right? You would think it's common sense, but it's not common. <laughs> Trust nope. me, it's not common. It's, it's not common. Not. Um, and I, I'm not saying this um, condescendingly in any way, but uh, I, I think a lot of people in the industry might have a little touch of autism, you know, because they, they just obsess over things. And right, you mean like uh, somewhere on the spectrum of... of, of somewhere on the spectrum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they, they don't get social right. cues when someone's upset. That that's there's a lot, a lot of that going on. There's a lot of that going on. Interesting. Maybe there's a yeah, correlation so, there. Um, so it's it's really hard to find. Uh, there's a lot of good people, but there's like I said, there's a lot of people that are just like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna work in this industry for long. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people come and go. A lot of people come and go. Right. Over yeah. twenty years, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah. Kevin Kevin is saying you have a three D <clears throat> printer now, and that you should do <laughs> Some some dookie it, that was in response <laughs> to your own shop, um, yeah. And that you that, should that's that's a good idea. Miniatures. Yeah, I should do haunting garage miniatures, right? And Tyson, good evening to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're here with Andy. We're talking. That, that's about, a, that's a good one, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and then what is like again? Like what? But what is like your personal favorite thing to do? Like, is it painting? Painting. Painting. Yeah. Painting. Okay. Yeah. So what is that? What do you mean paint like painting props or painting like like masks or what kind of painting? Um yeah, uh within the industry 
you, you'll do masks, you'll do prosthetics, yeah. you'll do um, right now, like with all the superhero movies, like uh, if you're not doing uh, a superhero suit, you're not going to make money normally. Wow. That, that's, that's a big part of it. Superhero suits. So it's oh. like, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of people don't like to paint the superhero suits because it's just, it's very bland. You know, like the most creative you'll get is like maybe distressing it, maybe looking at having it look like battle damaged, you know, and for a lot of the uh, the painters in the industry, they, they don't like doing that. They want to do like monsters. They want to do uh, a T-Rex or something, you know, they don't want to do a boring superhero. So, uh, but what yeah, I mean, the painting? what is it about the painting? Is it like, uh, is it just the idea of, of making something look super realistic? Is there, is there an aspect of the painting that you find really rewarding? Yeah. You could take something like a really mediocre, bad sculpture. Yeah. And, and a good paint job will save it. Right. It'll make it come to life. Cool. And, cool. and then, and then it'll be on screen, you know? Yeah. 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 Did you like psycho Gorman? Did you see psycho Gorman? I, I, I for me, that was like the smash hit of 2021. Wasn't that something else, man? Especially if you're a special effects guy, like the Todd Masters. Yeah, Todd Masters. He he's the man. Yeah, he's he used to have a shop here in L.A. for many many years, but then I think he got tired. He had two shops here in L.A., then one in Canada, and he got tired of it. So he just he's he closed shop. Well, it's too expensive here. It's the the um the competition is too fierce and. The budgets get lower and lower. Then you have all these uh, shops that are like lowballing one another, the lowballing productions, you know. So you can't. It's hard to make money. And so if they're lowballing productions, therefore the the, the employees are going to get a lower rate too, you know. So it, it's shitty. So a, a lot of the uh, the new a lot of the industry people they want to try to make all these shops go union because if they go union, then they have a flat rate, right. and the flat rate's pretty good. So. But uh, a lot of the old timers, they're fighting. It's it's a weird, weird thing going on around. There's this weird struggle of like non-shop and non-shop union and shop union. Right now, I'm at a shop that's union. There's like only like four or five union shops in the industry, and I'm at one of them. So I just so went. You uh, union. are in. So you are in the union. Just uh, I'm like in a weird limbo state where I've got all my hours, I've submitted them. I just got to go through all the classes and stuff and get sworn in. But yes, uh, technically kind of, yes, I guess uh, I could go on set and stuff and I could, I get union pay, but I, right. I, I'm for, um, for costuming, not for, uh, for makeup. Hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And it's cheaper for, uh, for costumes. It, it's only $800 as opposed to 8,000 for, for makeup. Wow. Yeah. Big difference. So, and you get more work too. Um, what what is it? Um, God, I just had a brain, a massive brain fart. Hold on, Tyler. What does Tyler say? He's saying, "Oh, first of all, wait, Jeff. Have you seen the funny ways that Googie would sign copies of Walk Among Us, drawing <laughs> hair on his head and different hats? No, I have not. That's funny. That is funny. I'm glad to know that Googie does that. <clears throat> uh, Kevin wants to know: Are you working with Mike right now? Me? Yeah, you. Mike who? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, Mike who? <laughs> um, no, that's, I mean, man. That's... Oh, Mike. Oh, I, I know. Okay. I know who he's talking about. Yeah. Um, 
No, no, but him and I, I have been talking about D yeah, we've been talking about uh D and D a lot <laughs> through uh through uh Messenger. So but yeah, we we we're not working. No, not together. I would though. I'm down. Um what is what is like your personal dream project, like in terms of special effects makeup or is it like really just anything you're like whatever i'm into like is there is there something that like you that you like a professional goal that like a, a like or dream project that you really want to sink your teeth into or like you know, i've already done it was out i've already done it haunted garage that was it haunted garage okay well we're gonna yeah. move i was we're gonna get to haunted garage in a minute. i just meant even with i know you did stuff for them special effects makeup stuff for that but i just mean within the the, the other film industry we just, yeah within the world that we were just talking about is there um, anything that like you really want to sink your teeth into that you are are, are vying for or, or aiming uh I, I did uh star wars so that was cool wow what star so, what star wars did you do mandalorian yeah season what? three so. yeah yeah so that was cool we did a. Uh, 80 Mandalorian suits for that. That was pretty insane. So you had to just so, dress the Mandalorian suits. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty okay. awesome. That's uh, And I did, a, I did a bunch of mold work for it. And I did a bunch of like um, fabrication stuff in the sewing department. It, it, was, it was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was also... Uh, I got to be careful with this one. <laughs> um, because Disney... Yeah, Disney... Um, Understandable. Yes, Disney. That's all I'm going to say. Disney. But it, it, overall, it was it was a it was a bucket list thing. Star Wars, you did Star Wars. That's cool. Yeah. Great, yeah, That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin wants yeah. to know: Have you hung out with Hunter lately? And oh. you need to make props for the secret haunted garage cover song music video. That's what he Kevin is saying. Cover song music video. Uh, I, I haven't seen Hunter probably in a few months. Uh, he was supposed to come to um, my wife's birthday. And he said he was, and he didn't show up. But I haven't spoken to him since, so I don't know. I'm not mad or anything. It's just you know that's how it is. Life is Hunter life a Guar guy. Hunter's a Guar guy. He oh yeah, he's the founding member of Guar. Yeah. Oh oh oh, Hunter oh. Hunter the, the Techno Hunter Jackson. Yeah yeah. yeah. Techno yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh Hellraiser, I did Hellraiser. Yeah yeah, what? that's right. What did you do yeah. on Hellraiser? I loved, dude. I real. I'm not like a Hellraiser's not like a sacred cow to me. So I went into the new Hellraiser, absolutely loved it. Really, really had a good time. Thought the movie worked really well. Just like enjoyed the shit out of it. Really, truly. Uh, what yeah. the hell did you do on that one? Uh, I worked on Chatterer. I worked on uh, Pinhead. <laughs> um, yeah. It, um, it, God, you know, I, I remember when I was working on it, I thought, I thought the movie was going to suck. I thought it was going to be terrible. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw it because – they didn't have like we were building all these like prosthetics and, yeah. and creature suits for actors that that weren't even cast yet. And normally you need like a live cast so you could sculpt on top of the live cast. So it's like custom custom fit. We have like none of this custom stuff. We, we had nothing. It was like, what's going on? But yet we still had to have the ball rolling, you know. And sure. uh, this was this was also last year. Um, I wasn't really. For me, it wasn't fun because I wasn't ready to come back to work yet at the time. I was like, like COVID was happening. I was watching the kids. My wife is going to work. Um, I was enjoying my break from all the chemicals, but they needed people. Like the industry at that time, for whatever reason, was so busy 
they couldn't find people to work at the shop. Uh, you got to remember all these effects people are, are jaded. They don't care what the project is. They're like, oh, Hellraiser, great, whatever. You know, there's been right. like seven or eight other ones that have been terrible. Right. Who, who gives a fuck, you know? Right. So, um, but I heard it's going to be a reboot. I went, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So um, I, I tried to make it work and I worked on it for about maybe three weeks, I would say. Wow. Uh, but uh, my, at the time, it was a dark time for me because it was like really hot. It was like 115 degrees in the shop, no air conditioning. There was no booth to work out of to like do all of your, your uh, casting and molding and stuff like that. Uh, so it was just really uncomfortable. And then my cousin killed himself. So oh. yeah, yeah. So I got word of that. So, um, so yeah, I, so I took like a two week hot dude. Yeah, oh it was, God. it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so I come back from work. Uh, I come back to work after, you know, I, kind of deal with all that shit deal deal with his funeral and all that and then like one of my worst enemies in the industry i, I don't have any except for like one he's yeah. working in the shop yeah they, they had to replace me Moriarty. So, yeah so so i was just like i was like you know i'm tapping out <laughs> i'm done like my my headspace i was in a bad spot so sure uh so they they put up with me with all the bullshit i was going through you know so uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that, but yeah, it, it just for me it wasn't enjoyable at all. But uh, but the end result was fucking amazing. I mean, the work was oh my god, stellar. This the designs were incredible. They looked loved really it. cool. Loved it. Loved it. Oh, loved it. Loved it. In the movie, though, I kind of felt like the the characters like a bunch of dumb Grand Theft Auto AI. Man, I didn't give a shit about any of them. You know, I just, um, I just wanted to see cool the way that they're going to die. Paper th- they were paper thin, but that was not super inconsequential <clears throat> to me. It was. Yeah. I, I actually, qu- to be quite honest, I was kind of reminded of the Evil Dead remake, like mm, you know the yes. uh, the, the yes. drug addict Jane uh, mm-hmm. type character. Uh, yeah, it was very reminiscent of that. But that's not what made the movie so mm. awesome. It was just the way that they presented the story the story was so much more coherent to me than it was in the original Hellraiser. I can't explain why I just, you know, I mean, I never really knew what was going on in the first Hellraiser movie. I don't know why that was. I just d- didn't, you know, it's not- editing. The editing's a little janky, right? Right. So I'm not, so, so I'm not crazy about that. Like it is yeah. a little like incoherent, like, and basically um, Kevin agrees with us about the, 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 the comparison. Yeah. You know, w- with all my friends, like when they say, what's it like, I said, Oh, it, it's like the, the evil dead remake. It's not a complete insult. It's not an insult at all, but it's not my favorite either. You know, I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like blown away by it at the same time. I thought they could have done more with the gore. I thought they, they, just, yeah, yes. They, they, yes. Yeah. They went cheap on, yeah, they could have done more, but it, it, it was enjoyable overall. It was enjoyable. I give like a 7.5. But what's interesting, but th- what was interesting was I was actually able to follow the story as opposed to the yeah. original. Kevin says sure. right here, OG Hellraiser <clears throat> was really flimsy in terms of plot and mythos at the mm-hmm, end when they mm-hmm. disappear and the special effects a lot. Yeah, it just it, it just like I'm actually like following the story of like the the dude, the Frank type character who is, you know, I mean, I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's like different levels of different types of rewards. Like that is not, they don't ever communicate any of that shit in the original mm-hmm. Hellraiser no, at all. No, for mm-hmm. some reason, Hellraiser, and, and, and I have nothing bad to say about the original Hellraiser apart. Well, from you know, I've read Hellbound Heart, I read it in high school. And oh, you did? I, yeah, I don't think that was in the book. It was a novella. It was like, 
it was pretty short. But I don't remember different levels of uh, <laughs> Hellraiser 3 CD sent by the camera sent by. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Anthony Hickox, man, the CD. Yeah, yeah. shout out pretty to bonkers. Anthony Hickox. Yeah, but no, it, it was it was it was good overall. Like I didn't like the first third of the movie, but like once they got to the the house, the mansion, that's when yeah. things started to really pick up, and it, it was pretty cool. And they did some really cool stuff uh, visually. Like when she was in that ambulance, remember that? Yeah. And the oh whole my thing God. All that stuff. See, all that stuff where they like <clears throat> kind of really show, they really do show the, you know, how they're sort of these interdimensional beings, which is right. not really, it's, it's not, it doesn't work the same way in the first one. You really feel like they come from another dimension in this new movie. And it's quite terrifying. And this idea that like, that they are just transformed or that they're just seeking sensation and pleasure beyond human comprehension, which is right. just, you know, uh, demons to some angels to others, whatever. Oh, um, what else did I work? I think I worked on that. Um, do you remember that weird little motor engine block in his chest? I yeah, don't know what the fuck yes, that was. Nerve. But it was a nerve. So it, it, his, all of his nerves were strung up to the motor block and every time, like every couple of minutes, it would tighten the nerves. It was pulling on oh, right. the nerve okay. endings in his body. That was a cool device. That was crazy. You, you, you paid attention to it more than I did. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, but but that's what's so funny is that like, is that like, I it just was easier than say that original Hellraiser movie. It just was so yeah. I don't know. I I just thought it was interesting. I'll, I'll definitely rewatch it. But um, you know who yeah, I had it, on here last night that I think you'd find really interesting was um Frank Farrell the producer of street trash oh cool and you know street trash which has a i haven't like, seen that in a long i've oh seen it one god. time one time oh my god it the, the special effects in street trash for 1987 for like a low budget no budget movie you should watch it through like what, there, there's a, a, a penis a penis football scene right in fact the guy who gets his penis cut off is the guy who was on my show last night that's okay the guy. And um, I didn't even know that as I was talking to him. And he was also like, he was also the seltzer zombie in Dawn of the Dead as well. Oh, wow. And that's uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, that was OG, cool. OG Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. OG Dawn of the Dead. He's, oh. uh, he was, he was, uh, so he's one of the producers on Spookies. And Spookies was streaming oh. at my local Alamo and he was there. I was like, you got to come on. You got to come on the. And he's trying to make Spookies too right now, which I think Spookies. Did that have like donkey lips in it from uh, Snitcher Shorts? It didn't, but Spookies is some batshit oh, insanity. Well, if you have not seen it, you need to check out Spookies. I, I remember the box cover, but yeah, uh, we, you know, and the box cover is super memorable, but like it's, it was shot right here, right. You know, if Sleepy Hollow's over there, if you go ten minutes the other way, it was shot right in Rye, New York. So, oh man, yeah, I, I, I didn't go out enough when I was there in New York. That was that was listen, it was beautiful, but I I should have gone out more. If you find yourself back up here, you just call me. You call me, okay? Or if you're in in if you're in New York for any reason, call me, please. Yeah, I remember you had Kevin on your show, um, and then you guys were talking about me for a little bit, and yeah. I was playing the episode in my car with my right, kids right. and it made me look so fucking cool man that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'm just dad to them they don't give a shit you know then they hear me on the radio it's like what? yeah it's, rad. it's fucking rad, i remember i called dude. you and i thanked you about that yeah, yeah you that did, was cool you did, you yeah. did. That's that was how, cool that's why we're doing this now actually because 
I was like, dude, you should come on the show, you know, like, cause yeah. why not, you know, yeah. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about how to garage. Cause that's a huge part. That's like a huge part of it. You're so passionate. I really, from afar, like I see all the stuff you post or what you posted in the past and whatnot, like yeah. you and Kevin too. Kevin's like the number one, like art, like historian archivist, like just like, you know, guy. Um, but you are, you are so incredibly passionate about, haunted garage tell me about that passion like how that passion began uh and try and weave some of how you got into music uh, as well into that and i'll just let you i'll i'll, I'll wind you up and let you roll yeah um i mean it, the band is like everything that i'm about you know it's it's like a little metal a little punk a lot of horror makeup you know uh, uh offensive lyrics you know uh, <laughs> Uh, the energy at the shows is great. You got dancing girls, you know, uh, gore. Uh, it was just everything I wanted. And I remember uh, hearing about them back in the 90s and like Fangoria and stuff. Um, and I thought, whoa, this looks crazy. What is this shit, you know? And I never I never heard the CD. Though. I just remember seeing the ads in like Fangoria and like, like some of the metal magazines. Uh, but then I, I finally moved to L.A. in 2000. And then I was working at a video store called Mondo Video Go Go. Yes, that Mondo. Um, and uh, when I was working there, some weird little dude that looks like Peter Lorre and these eye bags like this walks in, <laughs> and I'm like, he looks familiar. And then he brings up his movies, and then I was like, what's your name? He goes, oh, I'm I'm a Dookie Flyswatter. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk. And so, yeah, he told me, you know, about on a garage there. This is in 2000. So the band was wow. already broken up. So yeah, this is in 2000. So 22 years ago, I I'm 21 years old at the time. I'm really young, you know, just moved to LA probably three months here. Um, and he was really nice to me. He would, you know, call me names, you know, <laughs> really bad names just to uh, get under my skin. He thought I was like, oh, this little punk kid. Uh, but you know, we became friends over the years as I got older and, uh, then in 2008, they did a reunion show at Safari Sam's and I was like, I'm going to go see this. Uh, I'll, I'll die if I don't go see it. I like, I, I'm going to go if my life depends on it. So, um, at that time I was working on, uh, a world of Warcraft project with my wife. So that was, so wow. we heard about the show. So it was like, perfect. You know, we were just like, yeah, we're going to go after work and go see haunted garage then uh yeah kevin was there i didn't know kevin at the time um but we went and saw them and i remember see, seeing the show just going you know what this is great but i know i could do a better job in this band i just this band's perfect for me i i, I would do a better job because i felt the guys that they had performing other than gabby godhead and dookie they just didn't have the haunted garage persona they had like really cheap halloween costumes on they just didn't have good makeup, you know, their, and their musicianship was, eh, was, you know, mediocre. I thought was mediocre. And I just remember seeing my wife, ah, oh, I wish I could be in this band, you know? And then uh, fast forward to like 2013, I believe. And I just gotten out of some really bad black metal band. All those, those people were toxic as fuck, you know? And I was just kind of bumming out. And then uh, I see Dookie. <laughs> post something about like reforming the band and i was like oh damn it and he's like yeah our band's gonna be jamming and I'm like oh well there goes my chance and then like uh, a week or so later after he does that post he's like saying that they need a, a new replacement guitar player and i went 
right away i just went and messaged him on yeah on facebook i went dude like i play guitar and i do special effects and he just without even hearing me play he's like if you want in the band you're in the band i was like whoa wait oh shit shit uh you know i gotta have a conversation with my wife first i just had a kid you know i yeah. i just had an infant you know and so um he's like well how about this you come to uh see my other my my cover band play he was in a band called duke he was in a band with the haunted garage guitar player eric uh it was called undead kennedy's it was a zombie ah. dead kennedy's cover band right yeah and so hey stop it killer so i went to the show and i was like oh this is great this is fun and dookie did an interview after the show and they asked him about the the reformation of haunted garage and he's like yeah we're gonna be doing you know haunted garage again we're gonna have all the same props and all the same shenanigans and there's our new guitar player right there and then the camera like turned to me and i was like uh okay i guess i'm in you know like my wife was like yeah you're in the band now that's it so that was how i got into the band so that's and uh it was great it was like it was a dream come true you know it was a dream come true yeah i i don't know who it was kevin i don't know who was who was uh doing the interview um i don't know if you got ever if it was ever posted or not i i don't know like he's an archivist this is kevin knows yeah. the most about haunted garage, more than anybody on the planet kevin, he's like kevin is well versed i don't i know zilch about haunted garage but I'm he's a haunted, haunted garage, garage authority no i'm in the group and i like always see the posts of haunted yeah. garage and kevin's saying right now he's saying i'm still looking for that interview He's a he's a meticulous in in his in his documentation. Oh, group. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, he is. But um, yeah. Then we started just jamming, just jamming. Then uh, I think my first show was at a, a place called CIA, which just closed down. It was owned by uh, the guy who was in Blood Diner, Carl Crew. He was the bl oh. the blonde guy. Yeah, and, and Blood Diner was written by by Flyswatter. Flyswatter. Right, right right so that was cool that was our first show and it was the place was fucking packed like it was just like it was you know just bodies wall to wall you know it was pretty insane so it was like a lot of energy there and i remember just thinking i'm gonna fucking like this this is this is amazing you know and just the the energy and the interaction with the crowd was just insane and then our second show was a zombie walk thing and there was like 1500 people there and it was just like for me that was like the biggest show i ever played so i just remember thinking if this is how it is this is gonna be really cool but then that was like <laughs> that was like one of our biggest shows right there our second show is like one of our biggest shows so, so let, me uh, ask you this. let me interject yeah. real quick so you you tell them that you're you're into special effects that you know special effects stuff too um are, are and again the, the, here's my ignorance to haunted garage i don't know are, are they like are they a band like Guar where the gags are constantly evolving or is there like set gags like the way Kiss has certain signature things that they do in is their glory days certain in, in signature things well like Guar they have like a storyline they have like a repeating cast of characters you know so they're they're a little more um uh, a little more comic booky i guess uh, right so uh yeah they have characters behind <laughs> garage it was more horror oriented they would just have like all these horror gags you could look it up on youtube and see some crazy shit you know like really oh yeah. yeah they would always just i have they'd always, yeah, for sure but they I knew have. a lot of effects people back in the 80s and the 90s in the heyday so they would always get people to like 
Oh, uh, what do you have? What do you have in the? Would you find the dumpster? What could we use? You know? Oh, we got right. this cool like skin skinless suit. So they would just incorporate it into the show, you know. So um, back in like the eighties and early nineties, the three bands, the I guess the shock rock bands was like Haunted Garage, Green Jello, and Guar. Right. You know. Right. But of course, those two went on to woo get a lot bigger, and uh, Haunted Garage broke up. <laughs> so, and they had like a twenty year hiatus. So they did like one or two shows in between, maybe three or four. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, they were inactive. So. But did you, uh, speaking of Return of Living Dead, that was somebody else who I met at the uh, Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival was Tony Gardner was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it was funny. Yeah. Tony Gardner, I recognized him. I was the only person who recognized him. Mm. And I go, holy shit, you're Tony Gardner. And he was so shocked that anybody <clears throat> knew who he was. And we took a picture together and his daughter, Kara was there too. And she's now, she's doing a lot of cool stuff too. Uh, she's got like doing like a Chucky documentary, whatnot, but he, he was, he was taken aback that somebody on the East coast at this knew film festival knew who he was. Cause he's not, he's not behind the scenes guy. Nobody, I was yeah. like, dude, fucking blob return of living dead. Like, dark man, dark man. Like, I mean, the dude's a fucking yeah. legend. I mean, he's a yeah. fucking legend. Um, yeah. He just did Studio Six Six Six, which had some great. Oh right, I didn't. I didn't see that movie. It's pretty good. Oh, you're gonna love all the gags in it. It's really fun. Okay, really, really. Whether yeah. you like Dave Grohl or not, whether you like the Foo Fighters yeah. or not, you'll have a good time. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I, some people don't like Dave Grohl. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, but, but, uh, no. What I wanted to say was, um, about. Oh, so did you, was, was there anything that you brought to the table? We were like, hey, you know what I can do? I could do this thing. And what do you guys think of that? Should we do something like this? Or like, you know, did you, like how, what did you? Uh, uh, well, when I came you, to the band, I, I, yeah. I recommended that we all have our own characters and that we okay. play those characters instead of just going up on uh, stage with uh, jeans and t-shirt. Because I think in the old Haunted Garage, the only people that really were in character was a uh, Gabby Godhead, they're, they're uh, you know, they're cross-dressing guitar player who is incredible, like right, incredible stage presence, and then Dookie, you know. But the rest of the guys were just like jeans, you know, tank top, ripped jeans, you know, and you know they had their names, but um, but they weren't characters, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I recommended we did our own characters, and so I had my Satan character, and we had the zombie character, and like this demonic biker character, and. Uh, yeah, some weird death row inmate character, and then Dookie, <laughs> like, yeah, he's just like a ghoul, you know. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, and then also I built the mic stand for the band, I built a bunch of different props, a bunch of different gags. We like one time, like, we did a benefit for him when he was gonna have brain surgery, and so I built right. like this prop on his head where it was, like his brain was like bandaged around it. And then the girls were able to like open it up and scoop out, like, it was just it was bananas with like stage blood, you know. And so they're they're putting it in in a spoon, just flicking it to the audience. The audience was taking it and putting it in their hair. It's just like, oh, that's foul, but wow, that that's cool. So fun. What a, that's so fun. Kevin says that he found so Gabby, fun. and that they're doing an interview next month. I didn't know it was Whoa! Gabby. Was, Gabby Whoa! is missing. No way, dude! How the fuck did you score that? Holy why? Shit. Why is that? Now, why is that a big deal? Explain to me. Gabby, okay, Gabby's like a lot of people. Thing? Uh, he's a guitar player for Haunted Garage, like the one that he's right. a cross-dresser, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, they're like, no Gabby, no Haunted Garage. Oh, wow. You know, 
it's like slash not being in guns and roses right 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 okay you you okay that explains it that so explains he's it. like a pivotal member of the band pivotal member so um and he didn't want to do an interview for the he's like nah i'm putting that all behind me like we were trying to get him into this documentary and he just wouldn't do it so wow. and he was he's very elusive he's hard to find so uh wow that's kevin <laughs> congratulations Score. kevin i hope the interview yeah. is is uh uh full of wonderful sound bites and i hope i hope all, it all goes smoothly it's not wow i'm gonna tell you hunting for interviews not not uh it, it's challenging it can be it's not easy it's challenging it can be very rewarding when 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 you strike the iron um you know when when you do i'll tell you something i mentioned at the beginning of the show for years i had always wanted to interview Erie vaughn from misfits uh, from dancing yeah. yeah and it just never it just never happened it just never ever happened for years mm. in one form or another whether i for whatever project i was trying to get off the ground i was always trying to interview him finally this year he i finally got him to sit down for an interview and we spoke for five hours and 15 minutes so he's very receptive huh it was it, it was one of the best interviews i've ever done it was uh it was just it was it was insane so i know that feeling it, it was for me personally it was it was a great i felt a great sense of accomplishment he does interviews all the time but I really feel like we really peeled the onion layers back in this interview. It just was a really thorough, deep, long interview. And um, so I know what that uh, is. To, to, to I'm sure you had a lot of questions too. I had a lot of questions and I was the right kind of guy to ask him because I really did a lot of research and had spoken to a lot yeah. of people. And oh my uh, God. I, 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 I put him through his paces. And, what was that book uh, he released with all of his photos that they took of the misfits and saw Wayne? Misery, misery obscura. That's it. Misery obscura. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. hold on. To, to switch tracks though, to go back to Hunter Garage. <clears throat> so you're you're playing in the band. You also released a record. You guys did a brand new record. Tell me about that process of making the record. I'd, I'd honestly rather talk about misfits, but okay, we'll oh. talk about Hunter Garage. That's cool. <laughs> I'm kidding. We could, talk, um, we could we could absolutely talk about misfits afterwards. Don't worry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go okay. Uh, so the record. Uh, yeah, we finally put out our the EP on vinyl, made it a full length record because um, we released the EP. It was like a six seven song EP in um, 2016, and we weren't awesome. really happy with the logo and, and the back and the artwork. So we just needed to change it. Like it kind of looked a, to me a little unprofessional. The, the cover's good, but the back, like it shows the whole band with like Slender Man in the background. It's all pixelated. Our logo, I don't know why the fuck they don't want to get like a legit logo done. It just, it was like some cheap fucking font that they used that said Haunted Garage. It just, it looked weird. So, um, so yeah, during the quarantine, we didn't have a whole lot going on. And I said, Dookie, let's do the fucking record. You know, like this could be our last thing we ever do. So let's just put it out. So uh, we redid the artwork. Um, we got, uh, I think like three new tracks on there. So we got, we got Surf Nazis Must Die on there and then uh, Judgment Road. And Surf Nazis is like 
one of the, the biggest crowd pleasers for the right? band. That's your favorite one or something, right? I think that's my per, that. my personal favorite. Yeah, that's my. Per, yeah. It's just like it has a good energy to it, and mm -hmm. the crowd sings along to it. Like everyone. And he wrote that movie. He wrote the the movie, or he was involved. And, in and, and it's part of Dookie's legacy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's so it's it, a full it's, length album now. It's a full length now. Yeah, it's a full length. It has like nine tracks plus uh, a studio um, jam session on there that was just recorded with our guitar players, like little recorder. But it sounds great. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is wow. Holy shit. Yeah, we put this on the album. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty fucking cool, man. So, uh, and, and the record has like artwork on it too. It has like a, a pentagram. Then at the tip, it's like each of our faces, five different faces, you know. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. So, and just for me uh, as a fan, just like hold a record, you know, like sure. just be on it. It's like, sure. Oh, this is it. Like, it doesn't get any better. I'm done. Like, did retire. you now? You had been in bands. You, you you mentioned you were in bands before that. Was yeah. was music was always music was was that always like a primary artistic endeavor, or was that just something that you did like? more for fun on the side like where where did music fit in with everything as a kid i always thought i was going to be a um a musician you know just like a touring musician of some sort sure you know and and then you know uh, i wasn't in bands for a number of years and do anything musically you know just sat on the couch and play guitar here and there i've been playing you know since like 91 for a long time so 30 years now um yeah. and yeah i always wanted to like be in a band that did something shock rocky, you know, like something that made a scene. Not and and not only just just had a show, but like had like music to back it up, like good music. You know, I wanted it to go hand in hand. So uh, that's why for me, Haunted Garage was, was a perfect marriage. You know, it already had an established sort of um, underground cult following. Sure. You know, and so and I was able to like bring a. I think I was able to come in and bring like a little heavier youthful sound to the band because all the guys you know they're older you know they're they're older dudes i mean and they're all the energetic energy to the band i'm 43 but i brought the youthful energy i mean they're yeah like i at this point the youngest uh, next above me is like 50 the guy's 50 years old so yeah <laughs> you know so sure. I, I was like the the young guy i got them to like yeah. tune the guitars down to like d and so dookie didn't have to like strain his voice you know so um yeah uh Basically, I brought like a useful energy to the band, so that was that was kind of cool, you know. And as you said, in terms of like, you know, that for you was just a that was a real cop. That was a sense of accomplishment. That was uh, something that you always wanted to do. You got to accomplish it. You 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 checked it off the bucket list of whatever you know that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, that's really cool, man. Congrats yeah. to you on that. That's really yeah, thank that's you. Really, that's really fun, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I wish it was still going, man. It's like uh, that was like. That was a dream, man. That was a ah, that was a dream gig. For you sure. know, it's funny how like we never know we're in a bubble of something until it pops. And oh, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. Well, that's even better if you know, because then even when things might be challenging or hard, you're like, look, this is a bubble. It's gonna pop someday. Yeah. Just just do whatever needs to be done, and like you know, I I personally I I've been in bubbles and not realized that they were bubbles, and then the bubbles mm. pop. And, and, you know, you take it for granted and yeah. then th maybe there's like a time where you're really sad that you missed the bubble and you're like, I wish that the bubble still existed. 
And then you can get to a place maybe where I'm really just talking about myself here, but like you maybe you get to a place where uh, you're grateful for the, that was a time that was a certain time in a certain place where you did a thing. You had a lot of fun and you'll cherish the memories forever. And no. that's, that's the way it is. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, my kids are growing up with me in the band, you know, they, they come to some of the shows and you get to watch daddy on stage sure, perform, sure. you know, and they were nice to me for the rest of the night. They thought I was a rock star for a little bit. You know, it was, it was, it was cool, man. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says, yeah. Longest running lineup upon a garage. Yeah. That's for sure. Ten wow. Years. Yeah. That's crazy. The So that was the longest running, running lineup. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, man, I can't wait to see the documentary that, uh, I, I can't wait to see the same here. Uh, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be really cool. Cause I know very, again, I know very little about haunted garage. Really the stuff that I know, I know through Kevin, I first learned about haunted garage because of Kevin. So it's always been in my periphery, but it's never been something that like, you know, I've never done like a, like a deep dive on it or anything, but I'm just waiting for the doc. I'll just watch the doc and really yeah. uh, appreciate all of the different facets of, of Dookie Flyswatter. And, yeah, because I remember I told you I told you I was in the band um, when I met you, right? And, and then that's how we knew we both mutually were like, oh, we <clears> both <throat> know Kevin because I brought up right. Kevin because like if right. you're in Haunted Garage, I thought that oh that was really funny actually because it was like such a small world. You're like oh small Haunted world, Garage, man. oh my god Haunted Garage, yeah, my friend Kevin was always talking about Haunted Garage. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got to give Kevin uh, a lot of credit because um <laughs> there was a lot of songs that were like kind of bad audio recordings that do he wanted to like play live or re-record and i don't i don't know why kevin did it but like he learned the songs and demoed them and from those demos we were able to like learn the songs and perform them you know it's like that's that's a super fan right there man that's like that's I that's mean, crazy passion that's crazy that is, to me. <laughs> well, let me tell you something i you know I had spoken casually with Kevin about like, um, you know, cause I just finished my second feature film and I, nice. he was like, thank you. And I was like, uh, uh, we were talking about music. He's like, Hey man, if you ever need any music or whatever. And I was like, I took him up on it. Cause again, like, I love, I love that. I love the collaboration. I love, like I went to my friend, Bob, I was like, Bob, I need 15 seconds of something playing on a TV. Do you want to shoot something? You want to shoot some 15 seconds of, of madness because Bob, this guy Bob Rose, he creates madness. Put put just give me 15 seconds I can put on the TV. So Bob put something together. I said to Kevin, I was like, Kevin, I want you to to basically re-engineer Danzig Black Acid Devil, the song. I want you to like cover it without actually covering it because I can't use the song legally. <clears throat> Yeah. So in like in like a night, Kevin's for at first he's like, ah, I don't know, man. I'm supposed to go with green, go play dates with green jello. And I was like, hey, listen, no, no, uh, I was on a tight deadline. I was like, look, no uh no uh, pressure. Like, yeah, no pressure, man. If you could do it, you could do it. If you can't, you can't. And like without missing a beat, that dude friggin' the next day, he's like, here, what how's this? And it's exactly what I wanted. It's black ass devil without it actually being black ass devil. It fit perfectly in the sequence that I needed it for. And it was great. It's just, I, I love uh, that sort of shit. I love when that shit yeah. works together. So, you know, and de it's just a, a great example of what you were saying about demoing or just do uh, uh, doing something really creative in a very short period of time. Yeah, so, yeah. 
yeah we had a lot of songs that we wrote for haunted garage that just never made it to like to play live or uh, on the on the recordings you know that, that. you were you guys were creatively writing songs and... oh yeah oh yeah oh. oh yeah oh yeah we have a lot of them recorded on um eric's tape recorder but he would have to go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of files it, it good luck wow. oh so you have a it. lot there's a lot of material out there i would say out there but it's like oh, on no, one like computer yeah, yeah, it, it exists. Like, but it exists. And it exists. It yeah. exists. Yeah, yeah. I always listen to me. I'm always happy to know things just exist or intact. Like the like the Nevermore performance. Even if I never ever get to see that, I'm just glad to know that it's preserved in some way. Shape, I, I know on YouTube though, there's a, a small little clip they use from our uh, our recording of that. Oh, like in like it's on YouTube. Like a trailer or something, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. That's really cool. It exists. It exists. So it, it shows you that, it, that it's there. Yeah. It we even did a, a music video. I mean, other than what Kevin did for us, we right. We actually filmed um a Slender Man music video. And um, for whatever reason, the I don't know, we, we did some cool stuff. We took a lot of cool photos, we filmed a lot of cool shit, you know, out we like went out to uh the forest over here. I think oh, I can't remember what where it was exactly uh i'm i forget shit so easily but um i remember we went out we did a lot of a lot of filming but um david i don't want to say i shouldn't say his name but uh he he just he got busy with life and had some health issues and stuff so it just never and we tried to get the footage from him so we could like give it to somebody else and he didn't want to give it to us it's like wait it's just sitting in limbo you know it's like god damn it you know we like we could we could finish it we have lots of live footage we can intersplice with it. It could be done. And he just wouldn't do it, you know? Then he tried to like uh he was like, Well, you gotta buy me an external hard drive so I could transfer all the, you know, all the files. I'm like, all right, I'll buy you one. Then I was gonna get him like a terabyte. Then he's like, wait, I want two terabytes. Uh, and at that point, I, I I was like, you know what, you're moving the goalpost. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. We're, we're breaking up anyways, so fuck it. So I just didn't give a shit at that point. So you know? Yes, the track is called Kevin's Danzig Party because Kevin wrote a song called Welcome to Kevin's Pity Party. It's Kevin's Danzig Party is the name of the song. You know, I, I haven't listened to Black Acid Devil in like 20 years, so I, I'm kind of curious to go revisit it. But, uh, man, it, uh, it's listen, everything after four is absolutely an acquired taste on some yeah. level. There are there are tracks here and there that shine through a lot of glut but you can tell that the formula that made danzig like gone epic gone was gone when they lost when he lost his backing band you know i mean yep. again there and are rick songs. rubin he lost rick rubin he lost rick rubin you have songs yeah. like like on danzig 777 i lucifari you have uh kiss the skull is a great song yeah, yeah. Light i am yeah. is a great song i like we we I always say wicked pussycat, pussycat is yeah yeah it's it's almost like Danzig doing uh either a red hot chili pepper song or uh like a rap. He's going, mm -hmm. I like a bow now, I like a yeah. It just sounds like, yeah. like Anthony Kiedis would be singing it. I can't oh my god. It. It's oh god so funny man that, um, yeah that same cadence huh the same cadence you're right well yeah like a little like that alliteration or whatever um 
friggin' Circle of Snakes has some uh has some good songs. songs. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, uh Skin Carver is a great song. Black Angel, mm. White Angel is Oh, a that's a, that's the best song. one. That's the yeah, best that's one. Probably, yeah, that's the best one on the on the thing. That, and, you know, I would say that's the best Danzig song after anything off of Danzig Four. It's probably yeah, the best I Danzig. Mean, it's I don't know if it's I don't know if it's my I don't know if it'd be number one for me, but it is absolutely in the top five. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's really great. I mean, oh, what's um, that one song off off? Um, what's the latest one? Is it Death Red Savio? Is that what it's called? His last one he oh, did. Death Red has some really good songs on it. But there's that one song goes over and over again. That stupid squeal. It's Wait, like not it's just. <laughs> but the chorus for that song is fucking fantastic. It's like, oh, wait, this is wait, good. Wait. But then you, you're talking about. Hold on, you're talking over and over. Revengeful. That's it. That's the one. Revengeful. Yeah, has a great yeah. fucking chorus. It's like it takes you. Yeah. It's you like tired of being alive. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. There's revengeful. There's also hammer of the gods. That's the that's not the one. Okay, yeah, that's not the hammer one. Of the gods is a good song too. Yeah, that one's cool. That was cool. That was but revengeful. Cool. Death Red Moon is a great song as well. Death Red Moon is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that revengeful one though, it has that that shitty opening riff. It's so generic new about. metal. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But the chorus is fantastic. It's like the the intro for uh, Pumpkinhead Misfits, right? Yeah. It's like it has that really shitty intro. It's like, oh, this sounds like he's singing at a at a tune, but then the rest of the song is fantastic, you know. Uh, um, but yeah, I digress. We're, we're gonna well hold on. I, I I'm curious to know this as well. What is let's hear what your favorite dancing album is and what your favorite song is. Oh if you if if you had, could <sighs> pick five, give me your top five Danzig songs and give me what one album that you have to go. You know, for some reason, I always come back to uh, Danzig Three because I, I just like uh, I, I like the mass majority of the songs, and it has Sistinus and um, How Love the Gods it. Kill. Love oh, it. awesome! One um, of my favorite Danzig songs, hands down. It's it, like when me and my wife got married. We, you know, that was like one of the songs we slow danced to. You know, it, it was a must. Oh my god, that's your wedding song! It's amazing. Yeah, it, it was a must. We had to. Um, but my favorite Danzig song might be Tired of Being Alive. That chorus is just like so oh, fucking amazing. So fucking good, dude. I love so amazing. Yeah. So amazing. So fucking amazing. But uh, I, I like the production for How the Gods Kill. It's got that reverb. It's just buried in reverb and sounds really dark. What about the, do you like the, you know, I always feel, and I'm, I'm saying this as a non-musician, I always feel like the mixing is flat on... Like it doesn't. There's not a lot of dynamic dimension, if that makes any sense, to uh, Danzig Three. In my opinion, maybe not on all the songs, or maybe I'm just so used to hearing those songs live. Mm. It just when I listen to the record, it feels very flat. Is the only way I can describe it. Maybe it's oh like, really yeah. Maybe it's like that. It's like you know how like. You know how you can like listen to like a studio track of something? Cold, cold rain, yeah. So, no, no, yeah, no, that's sorry. a great song. Not, um, you listen to a live song, and it has like a real like it's got a, 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 a an energy, a rhythm, and then when you yeah. hear the studio version, it's like locked into like a slower studio tempo. Sure, they're playing to a metronome, so you know it's like less energy. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like I feel like there's some sort of vibe like that on. How the Gods Kill. I love all those songs. 
but I always just feel like, like I listen to the live version of left hand black. And then I listen to mm. the, it just doesn't have the same, same feel, uh, so, same balls, yeah, same balls. Yeah. 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 God, this is great. Yeah. Cold, cold rain going down. The, God, yeah. Like, going down to see Danzig four. I love Danzig four too, for like going down to die and call the dark. Yeah. yeah. Well, it has those three songs in a row. Um, going down to die, yeah. uh, Call in the dark, the huh? I don't mind the pain is on there as well. It's on there as well, yeah. But there's like three songs in a row that I, whenever right. I'm in the car, I, I'm gonna listen to those three. Know. Yeah, I don't know which. I don't know what the sequencing of it, but hey, babe, what's the name? Of, it was going down to die. Um, call in the dark and not no no not Sustina. It's on Danzig four. She's she's trying to remember but yeah it's those three songs in, the, in that sequence it's just like oh man it's like fucking heaven you know that those three songs like anyways uh i, I still love danzig one i think off danzig one possession is probably one of my favorite songs well, hands down one of my favorite danzig tracks yeah period just i have all, those, a, yeah. all those demon voices at the beginning yeah. are like fucking oh it's yeah. dark and sick you know it's and just, you got it's the insane. james hetfield's uh backing vocals on it it's really oh great. right no, it's Call in the Dark. What else? What did you say? There's three songs in a row. Going Down to Die, Call in the Dark, and what's the other one? Dominion. Dominion. Yeah, Dominion. Gotcha. Yeah. Dominion. Fantastic. They're like power ballad sort of dirgy. Yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're yeah, cool. yeah. Listen, again, you really can't go wrong. Uh, like, in, as like a cohesive album, like a whole album, I always pick, I'm always like Danzig One Forever. Even though yeah. the first half of Danzig 2 is so formidable and so strong, just long way back to hell, into Snakes of Christ. The 777. 777, uh, Tired of Being yeah. Alive. Like, I mean, Tired of Being Alive, oh my God. Just so many great songs. Uh, you, you really can't, but you know, I, I vote, you know, a Devil's Play thing is always like a crowd. Oh, yeah. But I'm not yeah. never really connected with me in that kind of way. Um, and then, yeah, like really, obviously, how the gods kill is literally his stairway to heaven. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Godless is one of the best opening tracks on any album. Period. It's just the way yeah. that it rolls in uh, is great. And yeah, Sestina's is might be one of Danzig's best songs he's ever written. It's just so uh, I love anything. I love the intro to anything. Just the cold anything is dark. Great. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, and just it's about you know Satan offering Jesus all the the world. But it's just a huh? great. It's a great second track. Like it is not like you, 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 people always talk about opening tracks. What about you? Need like what's that follow up? That second and Snakes of Christ is like that too. These, yeah. these great secondary <clears throat> tracks that just really kick it into the record and yeah they they do that yeah well. yep. um those first four about, albums man Woo! what about give me your okay let's let's do top five misfit songs and let's do top five sam hayne songs oh god um for misfits i would say my number one misfit song is is hybrid moments um okay. I, I i just i just love the chord progression and the way he harmonizes over it it's, it's just I hear it. And I always get that that nostalgic feeling when I first heard it when I was like ten years old. I, I still feel the same way. It's just it's timeless. It's fucking timeless. You know, it's just beautiful. Um, God, I remember Last Caress. I, I still love Last Caress. I heard Metallica's version first, and it took me That's forever. Oh. That's my first one. But you know, I didn't hear it for like five years. I, I heard the Metallica version for years first, and then they finally released um, Collection Two, and I got it the day it came out. Right. 
I was like, just so I can hear last caress. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was losing my shit. It was like, it was heaven. But it was heaven. Bring up something that's kind of amazing. We've, we've talked about this on the channel. If you, we talk about that notion that if you did not have a copy of Beware, if you did not hear uh, a, a bootleg, if you didn't have like a bootleg of uh, whatever, you couldn't hear it. Static age, <clears throat> the static age songs, and you'd have to be yeah. really close to the band to get that stuff because they would pass tapes around. And so you, it was possible to hear Last Caress if you knew someone close enough to the band. If, so if you didn't have, if you didn't have Beware, if you didn't have one of those static age runoff tapes, you did not really, there was no way for you to hear Last Caress until 1995. Yeah. 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 And, you and know, I, I was. What a notion. I, I, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, so I, I didn't have access to like anybody in the underground, you know? So like all the stuff I was listening to, like everybody at my church, nobody, nobody was into that kind of music. Nobody at all. So may, I was like, may I ask out of curiosity, Jehovah's Witnesses. So is that stuff, is it like a straight up, like I, I again, please forgive me. I don't know, understand how any of this stuff works. Okay. Is, is um, so is it like, expressly like not allowed or is it just like a frowned upon thing or is it like a you know like tolerated like the, the stuff like this like listening to to heavy metal because i know if you i'm assuming <clears throat> if you're not celebrating holidays and birthdays then maybe you you might not be allowed to listen to heavy metal music like what's the deal with that it's a heavy gray area a heavy heavy heavy, heavy gray, gray area. area got you um okay. I, I remember uh one time i went to like a um witnesses would always have like little gatherings they're very communal and so right. we went to a park and i had my my headphones on and I, i'd bring my headphones down then i think the kids want to play football or something i was in i was like 15 sophomore in high school and i put my headphones down i put my tape player down and then like one of the sisters went to go see what i was listening to and i was listening to bolt thrower uh the death metal band okay. and so they heard growling and blast beats and they were like <gasps> and so like they pulled their kids away from me they wouldn't allow me to play with their kids anymore because they heard that shit so it's like they they pass judgment on you based on the music you listen to now so, um, if you're in like an insulated community like that where where are you getting exposed at oh that there, there was um my brother my older brother had introduced gotcha. me to misfits yeah gotcha. he had a um remember he had a sawain initium he had that All album right. Yeah, great. And um, and November coming fire. And wow. I just never seen that the the cover for Initium going. Whoa, these guys are serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the real deal right here. <clears throat> so yeah, I heard those two for those are the only two I could find for years. You know, pretty obscure, um, pretty obscure things to have even back then. You know, for years. You know, they were. He had them on tape. He had them on tape. And wow. I remember hearing Archangel. Archangel. That's my favorite Sawing song. Is Archangel. You know, uh, I know it's not, it wasn't written for, for, it was written for the damned. Right. I think you, you want to know something. If you listen to, if you listen to it with a certain ear, Archangel is a damn song. It's not a yeah. like Sam Ain song. Like you listen to art, you listen to Archangel and you're like, holy shit, this sound, this is written. He is trying, he's trying to write, sorry, all the seltzers coming up. He's trying hmm. to write a damn song for Dave Vanian. And that's, yeah. Archangel. That song, man, just forever. It just and it does that same riff over and over again, but never right. gets old. Never gets it, old. It's just 
it's like trance inducing. It just it just yeah. gets you. It's oh oh what a song. Um, yes, he did write it for Dave Vanian's solo, but it's still written kind of in the vein of 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 the damned, and that's that's what that's what so so it's kind of subversively it's like a damned song. It's not it doesn't really have the, necessarily the same vibe as <clears throat> like look at look at Archangel and then look at like Macabre, you know, or like the yeah. shift. Like just, Archangel is 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 very different from any other song song period. It, yeah, it's so different. It really is. It so really different. really is. It's like yeah. probably the, the the probably the most like accessible in that kind of way because a song like like radio the friendly end or or unholy passion. No, they're alienating. Oh, Not alienating is the wrong word. They are. Uh, yeah, I guess they're unagreeable to the human ear. Like you listen, you're like. You're like, what the fuck? Like, where's the hook in that? But there is, it's there. You just, yeah, you're just, you just have to be attuned into it. And that's what makes that band. Yeah. Simple, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, for any, any underground music, you know, you got to have an ear for it. That's just how it is. Um, I think all murder, all guts. That's, I like that song. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I like Diablos 88 as an intro. I thought that was really cool. Um, you know what it always I, I, like to me? It sounds like a Jeep commercial. You imagine the Jeep driving through like the terrain and it's going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I, yeah, you know, it's funny to hear other people's perspective of that song. To me, it was just, yeah, I always, always envisioned like a, you know, like the cover, like a bunch of, or like the back of the, uh, the record, like everyone around fired, like them just like dancing around it, like. A bunch oh, of uh, voodoo. You did that to me. You just did the reverse yeah. to me. Like the the idea of the skeletons dancing on the fire. You yep. just put that image into my head when you say that. And by the way, if anybody wants a sour cream T-shirt, it's in the it look. If you look in the description of this video, you will find that we have actually printed. You know, because in November coming fire, sour cream, sour mm -hmm. cream. So yeah. I actually put November's fire sour cream behind the flame and that's awesome the most inside in joke <clears throat> that like nobody is gonna possibly understand except for like a couple nerds on like a message board but yeah whatever i just thought i was like i this has to be on a t-shirt and it is oh I'll see, I, I got two little tidbits little uh connections to the misfits i was well yeah. and sandwing I was in a band with london may for a little bit in a black metal band right you told called, me that called yeah. ritual and then I was, oh, Michael Graves also performed at me and my wife's wedding. Shut so, up, really? Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah. God. He did an acoustic set, and this is before all of his, you know, his Proud Boy right, stuff. Right, right, so, right, right. Yes. So I used to brag about it all the time. I can't now. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I get shit for it. But um, it's like, hey, he he was cool. He was nice. I mean, he was he was really nice. He was like down to yeah. earth, and he played. He came up to our, our huh? No, 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 he. So was he solo, or did he have his band with him? Solo, just him and his acoustic guitar. Wow. I told him the songs that I wanted <gasps> him to play, and he played every song that we requested, and then some. Wow, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. He'll so do that. he does that. He'll do like, uh, he'll do the, um, he'll do like a ninety-minute set on his acoustic guitar if he, you know, push comes to shove, right? Like he'll. Do yeah, that. that's cool, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, the album that we liked a lot was uh, his his one he did with Damien Eccles. The um, right. Uh, it's just, uh, illustrations? No. Uh, illusions. 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 Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Oh my! The melodies on that and the the soul that he sings. It's just. Oh, you know, beautiful. I don't know if I've ever actually listened to it. I think is Lucifer. I am. Is that one of the songs? Yeah. Okay. I so I recorded two Michael Graves shows. One of which was supposed to be a uh, concert DVD. I I shot for him that never came out. Mm. And um, he was playing at the first gig. He played Lucifer. I am, and I, that was the only song from that album that I was exposed to. That actually was a really good song. It was a pretty good song. So it was uh, when the sky ends. I always thought was really good. That that that's the best one. That's the best. he wrote that when he was like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, as a kid. I generally that's don't like admit that I like anything that Michael Graves has done these days, but I can't deny yeah. that those are good songs. I mean, those are good songs. Talent, talent is talent, you know, regardless of one's beliefs. Hey, American you know? Psycho and some of the famous monsters. I, I still solid. Will, yeah, like those are still solid to me. I don't, yeah. you know, take it away. I've never really been big on his solo output much. I do think I will say this. I think the song "Teenage Monster" that he oh wrote, that was good. That's a class. That is a good song. That like yeah. objectively, pound for pound, that is a good song. But a lot of Michael's music is never solo music, has never personally connected with me. However, I will say, Lucifer, I am, and when the sky ends, two songs that yeah. he does musically that are good. They Frostbite. Were. That's another one. Like that was I don't our know first. Frostbite. Oh, it's 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 just it's well, melancholy and beautiful. Album, which album it's off illusions. It's off illusions. It's off okay, illusions. All illusions stuff. So okay. when me and my wife had our very first wedding dance, it was to that song. He was playing it acoustically. It was like it like wow. It everything that we envisioned for our wedding reception, it like it, it happened. It was it was manifested. You danced to Sestina's and Michael Graves played your wedding. Did you have Michael Graves singing Sestina's? <laughs> no, no, that was after afterwards. Afterwards, that was yeah. afterwards. Yeah, that would yeah. be that would have been interesting. Oh my god! No, we, we didn't make him play any Danzig <laughs> stuff. No, 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 no. But I did ask him at that time if you ever met Danzig, and he went, "Nope, never met him, never met him." Okay, so he almost met him one time, and I can. Okay, this is not my story to tell. This is like <clears throat> uh, this is like third party information. He did tell us that he almost met him. Yeah, yeah, he almost met Danzig at when he opened for Danzig, technically when he got up on stage with Doyle and they did gorgeous Frankenstein, they did three fourths of a new misfits reunion. It was Dr. Chuck. Gorgeous Frankenstein. Oh yeah. So it was them, Ugh. right? It was them. They were doing that. And there was somebody, I forget. I don't know who it was. There was somebody at that show that was explaining to him that Danzig might've wanted to meet him or something. Or that hmm. he, he thought he was going to meet Danzig that night, and Danzig had no interest in meeting him. And it oh, of course happen. not. Of course not. Yeah, and, he's a joke to him. Yeah. Yeah, and he. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But but he almost yes, it almost happened. He never did. You would think that in some way, shape, or form that 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 would have happened, but I don't know. Oh, someone says they, they only liked a third of of uh, famous monsters. I. There's only like two songs on that I don't like. You know, it's crazy. Kevin says, okay, he says a third of famous monsters. So here's the songs I like on famous monsters. 
American Psycho, I can listen to pretty much. I like American Psycho. Mm. Um, Famous Monsters is 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 uh, 50-50 for me, and here's why. Because they started doing this, it was they're starting to do this very metally sort of punk thing. Oh right, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. It's like very like Doyle's guitar is metal guitar. It's not. Yeah, it's like they're doing punk songs <clears throat> with a metal guitar. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So famous monsters, metal, metal um, delivery, yeah, metal delivery. That's a great way mm-hmm. to put it. So by the way, I have to wrap this up because my face <laughs> is close, dying, yeah. and it's uh, two. We're 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 past two hours, but. Oh, but um, man, I love I love this talk. Oh, we let, listen. You'll you'll come back. You'll come back for a top five or something. We do top five. All right, here. we'll we'll have you back on, Andy. Uh, this is so much fun. I really enjoyed and it. pineapple pizza is very punk rock because it's the most offensive to everybody. <laughs> I love that you just said that. Wait, you can't. You have to answer that question. Hold on, hold on. Wait. Uh, famous monsters. Uh, crawling eye is fun. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Forbidden Zone. I really like mm-hmm. Forbidden Zone. Yeah. I really like Lost in Space. That one's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like Helena. Helena's a fun. Helena's like heavy metal, though. Like it's like it's a good. heavy metal song. But I I, I'm, I'm, I'm a metal. metal. I'm a metalhead. I'm a metalhead. Metal so head. for me, I understand why you would like that. It makes sense to yeah. me. Yeah. To me, I'm not. I am not from. I, I am so not steeped in metal and not that I don't like appreciate it. I'm sure I do, but like, it's just not my thing. I'm a punk rocker third. Through yeah. Yeah. Um, so that made that, that sort of alienated me a little bit from, again, these are like sort of poppy punky songs that yeah. deli- have metal delivery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else is on there? One that... million years BC. That's a great song. One million years BC. What? Yeah. You no, know, I barely even catchy. know it, man. I really don't like that. That song is so. I I don't know, man. The uh, lyrics are dumb, but like just the melody, the vocal melody. Is, no, I mean, is like really I literally good. can't even sing it because I just never get that far into it. Like I just, yeah. I pick, I cherry pick a couple of songs. I'll tell you this. You know, a lot of people. We 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 did a deep dive on on Jerry only, uh, Jerry only's singing prowess and whatnot. And I got to tell you, I listened to Project 1950 with 2020 2022 20, ears. No, so I got to tell you something. I have to tell you something. I listened to his new album, then I went back and listened to all of his other material because I wanted to hear. La, it. La, la, la. Oh, my my earbuds are and I can't plug my ears. But go ahead. <laughs> I think. I think he did a great job with Project 1950, the vocals. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I when I look at what he did on that new album, new I Jerry and, Only album. Yeah, but I, not just the Jerry Only album, just all that stuff that he did later on, he it's so overproduced and he the, the problem is he really is not he his voice can only work in certain ranges. <clears throat> and yeah. leans into that very well on Project 1950. He's not trying to outdo what he can't sing on. He's trying this to like magic oh. moment. I, I hated that. Oh, but, but, but here's the thing: you hated it. You hated it because it has the Misfits name on it. As no, I, I hate it. I hate it because he sounds like a limp dick. But sounds terrible. Even, but but without the Misfits name, just this idea of of a Jerry only singing a bunch of fifty songs. You know, I preferred that Jerry only were to sing over Michael Graves because he's an original member, but he's not a good singer. Interesting. That's an interesting observation as well. Yeah. You. Th- uh, yes. I. I. Uh, at the end of the day, 
Jerry only's bet like most suited for backing vocals, and he does a great job at backing vocals. Yes, That's he does. Where his strength is. Yeah. Um, he has for whatever reason, he's super stubborn. He's like, I'm just gonna sing in all of these registers that I have no business singing in. And yeah. if you listen to I, I listen to Project 950 and I listen to The Day the Earth Caught Fire, which mm, is the other one, one he did. Yeah. And yeah. his vocals were honest. He wasn't trying to like he's just going, ah, Jerry Like he's just like doing his thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm I'm down with this. Cause like oh that's you know. Cute. I saw him, um, it was like 2002, maybe around there. I saw them, maybe 2001 even. Oh, uh, God, it was with uh, Marky Ramon was on drums, D Ramon was on bass, Dez was on guitar. So it was like a Misfits, Black Flag, yeah, Ramones Set. show. And it was like they got together the night before and jammed. It was fucking god-awful. And Jerry only was saying collect pictures of little girls and hang them on my wall I'm like oh dude stop fucking you know, stop you know what he did you know what he did in um you know what's going on rue no rue on the loose no no rue i think what you you misunderstood me i like michael graves singing i think he's got a soulful voice i think he found his voice on famous monsters more than he had it on uh american psycho but I'm saying, like, if I had, if I didn't know anything about Michael Graves and I only knew about Jerry Only, they said, "Who do you want to sing, this guy or this guy?" I would have chose Jerry Only because he was an original member. But after hearing Michael Graves, I prefer Graves over Jer Jerry Only. I hate Project I, 1950 and what's the other one? The the uh, Devil's Reign. Oh, that's an I abomination. Listen, if I have to pick between Jerry Only and Michael Graves, I'm gonna pick Michael Graves. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, he's a better singer. Yes, he is the better singer. Cannot be denied that he. They should have changed the name. They should have changed the name of the band. They, they should, should not have had it as Misfits. They should not. Should not. They should no. Not. No. No. Talk about this no. all the time. They should just call themselves them or the Re the Resurrected or something. Or yeah, whatever. something. Famous monsters. Even it could have been famous monsters. They they toyed with that idea. It was going to be them. Yeah, right, Kevin. It was going to be them, or it was going to be famous monsters, or it was going to be Dead Kings Rise. They had a bunch of they had a bunch of ideas and they didn't go with any of them. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. they should have. Like, it just would have given it. It would have given it legs, better legs. Than, they would have had a lot, lot more uh, forgiveness from the fans. There, there have been no forgiveness because it's a different band. It's a whole new thing. I'll tell you one song that I just really like from the from American Psycho. I mean, I like the bones. first half of that album is just really good. Uh, from Hell They Came. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That really yeah. Yeah. Great, that's a really fun, great song. You know, yeah. That, it really is. It really is. It can't be, that can't be denied. It's not the misfits. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. This is why I'm like, I'm happy that he put out a solo album. Like we don't, it, yeah. it's easy to compartmentalize. This is Jerry only album. That's why. So and, when did he put yeah, that? Out? I had no idea he even put anything out. Just came out. Oh, it did. And it's it pretty good. If you um if you listen to it, if you listen to it at one point two five speed, it's a lot more palatable to the ears. You can't listen okay. to it. Okay. What what's better? The Jerry only solo album or Danzig's Elvis album? Danzig's Elvis album by a, like five miles, but I enjoyed I, it. I really liked the Danzig. Yeah, I liked Elvis it too. A lot. Yeah. yeah. 
first thing I like how I the, the rest of the Yvonne. band sounds like the, huh first thing i asked you Yvonne when i when i started talking i i just right out of the bat i was like eerie what'd you think of uh, uh of uh danzig's uh solo album uh danzig's uh elvis album and uh i forgot what he said i forgot what he said <laughs> It's probably long-winded, right? <laughs> I said a bunch of stuff, but uh, he yeah. wasn't—he wasn't overly critical of it. I think he thought it was okay. Um, I liked—I loved it, man. Uh, you know what it was? It was kind of like the Rocky Six. It was like the Rocky Six of of Danzig albums. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like uh, got, uh, uh, over the hill guy coming out and swinging for the fences really vulnerable with his voice after like destroying his voice and then vulnerably singing these delicate songs doing a song but like redeems pocket himself full, redeems himself does pocket full of rainbows talk about pineapple pizza you know like dude's yeah. doing a song danzig a guy danzig he's doing pocket full of rainbows fucking punk yeah as fuck. it's crazy awesome. it's but really, you know really awesome. The one song I liked a lot on uh, Skeletons was um, "Devil's Angels." Oh my god! Yeah, Devil's remember it's great. That was that was floating around, huh? Yes. No, no, no. Uh, uh, "Devil's Angels" was great. Production Ooh. on the album was not good. Dog shit. Olympic. Yeah. It was a fucking Olympic. Yeah, no, it, it was bad. Yes, it was uh, floating around. "Devil's Angels" for a so, long time. For yeah. a long time, I remember just going, "This sounds like Misfits. This is fucking incredible!" Like. Fuck, like, please do this, do only this, you know. But, uh, yeah, then we, yeah, we yeah, didn't get Ru, that. Rue, I agree. I'm, I'm with Rue on this one. He says, I didn't hate his graves as much as I do now. I have to admit that I am that way as well. But I personally got into it with graves on, I got into a fight with graves on his show and he kicked me off his show. So we, we, uh, yeah, which you can watch. <laughs> it's out. I'd actually Wait, what Andy, you don't yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> say that no no say, say that all again. Go ahead. One more time. <laughs> no, I just saying that I, I got into a, a whole a whole fight with Graves on his show. I was on his show and I got into a fight with him and when was this? Show. Uh two years ago. Right right after he imploded. Dude, send me a link to that, please. No, I don't want you to see Come that. on. <laughs> come on. No, you can't tell me that. You Please. <laughs> oh my God. I got to see that. He muted my mic and then booted me off. And when he muted my mic, I wrote the word fascist. Good. Mark. Good for you. Good I for you. That, that is that is a fascist. Censoring yes. you. Yep. Because, Censoring the opposing. Well, no. Yep. He's like the free speech guy. Yeah, I know. He's, He's being a fascist guy, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, he was whatever. He was getting, we, we each, let's put it this way. <laughs> Both Wait, what? opposite opposite arguing points on an argument. Sure, that is, a, that is maybe required a little bit more nuance than what. But we were polarized, black and white, on this argument. <clears throat> of course, and, of course. Um, and he, but really, in reality, it all started because of he was basically saying that Christians are. He's basically saying that Christians are are uh, being treated like Jews in the Holocaust, and in in yeah, they're being put into digital ghettos. And I was like, "Hey, I'm a Jew. I got a problem with what you said. Let's talk about it." And then it devolved into a bunch of other shit. And um, that's stupid. Yeah, it was a, it was a nasty twenty minutes. And then he starts talking about uh, Alex Jones 
I was like, wait, you believe in Alex oh. Jones? He's like, yes. And I'm like, he's like talking about, yeah, it just, it, and then what happened was he just muted me and then booted me from the thing. And, uh, oh my God, that was, that was, the beginning of, <laughs> that was the beginning of Graves's downfall in general. And then he just doubled down on it. And now Graves, Graves has a lot of trouble. He cannot, I mean, he can't, uh, play a gig to save his life. And what kills me, what, what really angered me about the whole thing on a personal level was that I was thinking about his band. I was thinking, I know his bandmates. I was thinking, I was like, when you said all that shit and you, you know, they were making six figures a year, mm. making six figures a year. And then you say all this like shit that like is going to hurt your ability to tour when you have people that are relying on you to tour. You have three kids and you're out there like just talking either side of your neck. If we heard anything that Danzig said out loud, I'm sure that like we would all like fucking our curl our toes would curl. But Danzig Well, he does say some pretty ridiculous shit, but yeah. Yeah, but he keeps his mouth yeah. shut. He doesn't fucking talk about it. Same thing with Jerry yeah. Only. Jerry Only's like a, you know, he has his own beliefs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't talk about it. He keeps it all separate. But Graves is out there on like a pulpit, like fucking you know, pr talking about, yeah, not just that, like, he doesn't believe in gay marriage, oh. you know, straight up. And I'm like, you know, he's trying to, like, backtrack, like, you know, that was what I was, that was another thing I was confronting him about. And um, he, and it was funny how he changed the subject when he realized, like, all, all the shit that he had said. In any case. Wow. Because, you know, when... when when yeah. I met him in 2013, he was like really nice, and he he came up to a room and he just signed everything. We we're just talking family stuff, and his wife was there, and I was like, "Oh, this guy gets a bad rap, you know." I, I don't care if he's right leaning, whatever, but I guess he like he went really far right, like well, in the last listen, few years. I always knew, even when I had briefly crossed paths. I mean, he had done an interview for me for my documentary project, and I, as I said, I shot a concert DVD. Like we had had interactions, and I knew that he was a right wing guy, but that was at a time where it was like right wing wasn't like you know, you could you could be friends or associated with someone who's right wing, and you know, it, like everybody could coexist. Like the rift, right, right, right. the rift has gotten so extreme. It's big. It's pretty wide. Now. It's pretty wide. Yeah. yeah, it's wide now. It's a different, it is a completely different age. And then to affiliate yourselves with Western chauvinists, which is code for, you know, again, Western equals white and chauvinist is supremacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Like, you know, so he, he now, he can't fucking, he can't do any of that stuff anymore. He commit commercial suicide. Well, it just, you know, and it's funny, you sit there and fucking complain and go, I've been canceled, I've been canceled. But it's like, like, like you also put yourself, people don't want to associate themselves with you because sure. you said some really stupid shit. And so yeah. it's like, everybody's got to toe a line. And now it's like, it's like, how are you going to feed your family, bro? Like, what, what were you thinking? Like, honestly, what were you thinking? It wasn't. Yeah. He had and, people warning him not to say that shit and he didn't listen. Loki, who was his guitar player, Loki's a great guy. Loki's been on the show a bunch of times, and we, we've we've talked about it in the past where it's just like it's like Loki was like, you know, dude, you're not considerate. I don't agree with you. You speaking for me when you mm -hmm. say these things. Mm -hmm. We have a business. Mm -hmm. We tour. We go to South America. We go to Europe. We're making six figures. 
What are you fucking it up for? And now they can't do it. He cannot, he cannot book a show in Europe. He cannot book. So look, whether you want to stand up for your principles or not, fine. But understand that, like, obviously, commerce, commerciality, brands, all of these things, they want to, they're, they're aligned with capitalism, right? They're aligning themselves with the things that's the way that they're going to make the most amount of money. And if you're saying, like, like stuff that goes against making money, then they're not going to want to do business with you. Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, you know, well, it's like with Kanye, you know, he was saying a lot of crazy shit and Adidas didn't give him the boot until the public starts making an uproar about it. Once the public makes an uproar, that's when you're in right. trouble. But that's what isn't, and, that, isn't that interesting how initially Adidas wasn't really doing nothing about it. And then when they saw, oh, this hurts our ability to make money, that's it. We have to respond. And that's so, so at the end of the day, right or wrong, it's like this force. Capitalism is this weird force where it's like it seeks out where it's going to make the most money. And anything that's against making the most money has to go. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying shit that's unsavory, to a large demographic of people, then no one's going to do business with you. And then he goes on his thing and he goes, I've been canceled. I've been canceled. They've canceled me. Why have yeah. they canceled me? I just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oblivious. And it's just like, you know, and I'm a victim and my band left me. It's like, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to be associated with being a proud boy. You coming out as a proud yeah. boy and then them being in a band with you makes them associated with Proud Boy shit. Right, Maybe they right. don't want to be associated with Proud Boy shit. No common sense, man. No fucking common sense. <laughs> you know, I I you know, I don't I don't know what will what will happen, what will become of that. I have I do have one really funny video that I will send you. Um that Well, I, I want that one. I want that All one too. All right, I'll send you both of them. I'll send you both. Of them. I'm going to find it regardless. I'm going to find it. My channel, you'll find it. You'll find it. You'll find it. But still, um, just, I, like save I me the you know, I, I went into the argument. I went guns a blazing because here's what it was. I was washing dishes and I'm listening to his Facebook live stream and he's challenging people. He's saying, well, who doesn't agree with me? Who doesn't agree with me? Who's that? I heard there were people that didn't agree with me. So if you don't agree with me, come on my show. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear it. So I'm washing dishes. I drop the dish. Um, I didn't drop it. I didn't break it. I put the dish down. I get out of my phone and I call that motherfucker up on his thing. Oh, fantastic. Hold into the, the thing and I straight up just confronted him. But the problem was I didn't have any fuck. I just was talking. You know, I was just I was arguing a point and I was talking out of the side of my neck. I didn't have. I agree with you, Jeremy Vicious. I didn't have stuff to. I didn't have enough points data to to back to back it up you know that's yeah. part of the problem what is jarmy is saying today i would rather be seen as a conservative versus this whole <clears throat> no brains brainism science brigade i just think i just hate that there is a polarized that it's just so polarized it's so utterly divided yeah yeah you know but yeah the, the the left is very loud right now that well, we shouldn't get into politics too much but you know right, it's right but it's, yeah it's, it's but you just, and i are on the same page you and i are on the same page it's it's just it's all crazy man it's all yeah crazy. it's crazy it's fucking but, bonkers man 
listen, this has been uh, this has been a great show, and I really do. Oh, I, I'm I'm dying. My 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 voice is fucking shredded. I have to go. Oh, I, I believe you, man. We've gone on for like a half hour longer. So we've gone on for an over an hour longer. Yes, than, than we were. Have to come back. You'll definitely come back at some point. Um, I want to. Oh, look what I'm wearing. Question. Answer the question. What is that shirt? Oh, Captain. Who Harlock. is it? Captain Harlock. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. Do um. Do the uh. Yeah. Is pizza, pizza punk. Punk. Yeah. Is pizza punk. Well, I would say pizza is like music. You know, it depends on the type of pizza, right? Yeah. So, but uh. But yeah, there's certain types of pizza that piss people off, and pineapple pizza. Oh my god, it, millennials hate it. So it's like the modern punk pizza. So that that, but I love pineapple pizza, pineapple ham. Oh, I I live for that shit. And whenever I order it, like at work, people fucking poo poo me like crazy. You wouldn't believe it. Oh my god, it's like yeah, you know what? Fuck you. I'm gonna eat it. This shit's good. Yeah, I'm just gonna make. Uh, I'm just gonna piss you off with my pineapple pizza. I like. Yeah, that. yeah, that's that punk. That is punk. Pizza is punk. Pizza um, is punk. I want to thank Andy so much for coming on. The oh, show. Thank you. And just like I, it was so fun to learn uh, even more about you than than what I knew. You're you are a very interesting dude, oh. and you've done a lot of really really cool shit. And you know, I don't know why I I I think it's it, it really. I think my favorite part of like hearing some of your story is that you've already done something that like you're dying to do. Cause most of the time it's always somebody who's like still out there trying to do what they do. And you're at a place in your life where you're like, I did that thing. I did a thing. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and obviously maybe like, you know, you, you, you have more things, but like just the idea that you got to do the thing that you really wanted to do. I, that's that rules. I, I, I I've been sure. blessed. I've yeah. been blessed. That I've rock. Been blessed. Yeah. Just, um, Thinking Thank about it sometimes, the, it's like, uh, oh. dude, it's freaking awesome. Thank you, everybody, yeah. in the comments uh, for for the great conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, play us out. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm too fucking even tired for that. Andy, stick around for one second. I'm gonna end the stream. We say okay. peace, hair grease. <laughs>